Hey modelers, welcome to the Model Geek Scale Modeling Podcast. Here we'll be discussing just about anything and everything as it relates to the world of scale modeling. Before we start, I would like to take a second and thank the sponsors of the Model Geeks Podcast, Detail and Scale, Furball Aero Design, and Sprue Brothers, as well as the listeners that donate to make this podcast possible. Now buckle up and ride along as we journey into the world of scale modeling. We really hope that you'll download and make us a part of your modeling mid sessions. Now, here are the geeks, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, Andrew Frill, Hello, Mollers. D-Rand coming at you. Welcome to episode 34 of the Model Geeks podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by three of the biggest, the brightest, loose sniffers east of the Mississippi. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> Scott Samo, a.k.a. Nemo. Andrew Frill, a.k.a. Frildo. And last but not least, Andrew White, a.k.a. Whitey. Hey, what's happening? Good to be here. Welcome, fellas. How y'all What's going doing? on? Welcome back. Who, Thanks, who are you man. again? I'm that guy. Yeah. Forever gone. That guy. That <laughs> was a vacation. It was good. God dang. Good, it's just man. nice to get away. and. Oh, yeah. No dogs. No work. No yard work. No. Just away. No, no cold, crappy-ass weather. No, Probably none of nice that. Probably nice down there. Down in Louisiana, it was very like, nice. It was, I don't know, what was it? Like the lows were in like the 30s or 40s and the highs were in like the low 50s. Oh, That's balls, crap. No, not here, not where I went. Matter of fact, Awful. I had to go buy shorts. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take didn't take them with me, but no, man, it is good to be back. I uh, I listened to 33. It was nice to have Justin sitting in. Yeah, Did a Justin, great job. Yeah, it's great having. We need to get Gabe on too. I agree. I think he's. I think he's ready to go though. Seems like he was. He's ready to go. Yeah, we need to have him pop on. He's a. Uh, God, he's a good modeler. Good guy. Yeah, no, he's and right. a good guy. Well, I, I finished it up with the good guy part. He so. is a good guy. <laughs> and he's an okay Any, modeler. Anyhow, so what what you guys been up to? I mean, I was vacation. What y'all uh y'all do anything interesting other than work? No, no, still work. Same old, same old. Watching NHL playoffs. Oh my god! Getting ha- getting. Ha- I mean, getting we were watching. We finally got uh, caught back up. We so better call Saul. The last bestest final seasons out. So no, I didn't know that was out yet. Yeah, man, it is. I, we've only we're only through the first two episodes of the last season, and all I got to tell you is, get to watching, man. It is. It picks up right where we left off, and it is just—I'm just gonna say it's good. That shows it's good. It's really good. It is it is? It's awesome. And then uh, we watched. Um, no spoilers here, but I'll just say we finished watching Ozark. Oh, I got to see that one. Yeah. Yep, no spoilers. I'm not gonna say anything other than yep. Uh, still, definitely, definitely, definitely finish watching that one. That's still good. I've got to do that. So. Yeah. And uh, anyway. That's what we've been doing. Work, work, and maybe a little modeling here and there, and watch get, getting caught up on Better Call Saul. My God, man, you got your priorities backwards. Modeling. Yeah. That should be up there first. Dang modeling. It. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, uh, 
get to uh, on what's your bench there. You got some good looking stuff you've been sharing with us that you've been working on. But when we get around there to what's on your bench, we'll uh we'll talk about that. Uh what's it the uh SU twenty seven. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. So Frill, why do you, Frill, how are you doing, man? I know you got had an accident not too long ago with your trailer. Are you doing all right? That's Yeah, everything's fine there. The insurance company paid out and uh I'm officially camperless, so <laughs> yeah. See? That's great, man. Yeah. No more camping for on the weekends. You know what that means? Sniffing glue and slinging paint, buddy. Yeah, man. So my summer just opened up, so Yeah, you have no excuses. I think we got a trip going planned going on a trip to Nashville this summer, so I'll be in Nashville at some point. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good place to go. I, it is. I like Nashville. It's awesome. I enjoy the hell out of it there. Yeah. So, why do you're being quiet? All good on the home front? Yeah, man. Except <clears throat> my Bruins loss last night, like I said. But anyhow, I'm not upset about that. Game, on, no. on to game six, man. Uh, that and I'm back in the office, so that's going to really curb my building time. Oh, yeah. That's right. And you did. Today was your first ba- day back yeah, in the office, wasn't I'm it? I'm in a solid... You know, sulky mood right now, man. <laughs> he does. He does. If y'all could see him, is kind of sulking. He's been. He's looked a little bit dejected the last two days. Yeah, I think you're the. You're like the last one that's been able to hold out where you could. Yeah. Completely work you know, from home well, if you needed to. You know, that's the thing. I could still completely work from home, so it's kind of just. You know what? Give my office to somebody else, man, and I'll see you later. <laughs> I was told. uh that I'm not coming back. And so you're stay a loser. at home. I'm like, stay home. I know. That's where all the losers are in my pajamas. Yeah. Well. They pulled some, they told us, they said, um, you know, cause we, I've got two offices that I can work out of. Well, three really my house <laughs> and then, um, the liaison office and then the big office. And, uh, anyway, long story short, they're like, you have to come in at least twice a week. Yeah, I just got I just got told the same thing, and I've got three yep. places to work now too. Yep. So the good thing is it doesn't have to be the same person twice a week. So I go in to yeah. the one office one day a week, and then three days a week I'm at the other office, and then Friday I'm, I work from home. So so it, it works out. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out uh, how that dynamic's going to work with the uh, the new job there. So we'll, it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, we'll get it figured out. Anyhow, so, uh, all right, so I want to know what you're working on. Scott, I know the SU-27. Let's start with you. It looks like you're getting really close, man. Yeah, so I've got all the um, fiddly bits are all painted and weathered and washed and all that. You know, got the, and they all came out pretty nice. Got the uh, the nose gear finally, got the wheel fitted, and it fits onto the to the main model pretty well. And um, I had to use epoxy for the landing gear nose wheel to get everything to kind of to fit. And, um, I can talk more about that later, but yeah, that was, it's, but it's every freaking step of the road. It's like, just when you think that, okay, smooth sailing, something's just kind of jumps up out of nowhere and bites you. And so you got to do some modeling and fix it. And so that kit is, this kit has been like the, it's like the main pieces fit really well. But then when you start trying to figure out how you're going to fit the gear on and the nose wheel and simple stuff like that, it's just, I just, it's just frustrating. But now now, Trumpeter bought all those moles, right? Is that what I understand? I think uh, so. Yeah. I think so. I think Trumpeter bought all the. I wonder if they're going to. Somebody did. I I don't know if it was Trumpeter, but somebody did. Man, I I still, I still say that. 
the subjects they do are great and the detailing that they have is great. If somebody just could fix the molds and the, the little things like your axles. <laughs> and you yeah, know, the lack thereof. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, like, yeah, instructions. Pearl's yep. hitting that one. Is the instructions could really need to be revamped. But, uh, you know, like, again, Whitey talks about, we all talk about, it's like, okay, we'll do some modeling. Like, fig- well, you got to figure it out, you know? I mean, and I think it's going to be, because I'll tell you what, the panel line detail on this kit is freaking out of this world. Yeah. That's, it looks, it looks really good. Um, paint job. I've been, I've been painting, I don't know how many times over and over and over again. And uh, I'm finally real happy with it. And so it's polished up. All the little pieces are all painted. Windscreen's on. Came out nice. And uh, so it's it's on the decals. And then once the decals are on, let it sit for a week or so. They'll coat it. And then start gluing everything on. You know, the so. panel lines, that's one thing I noticed. The, the SU-34, which I really want to build that one, the full back. It's, uh, yeah. it's just a cool airplane to begin with. But that's the one thing I noticed on that kit is that the surface detail on it is just wicked good. Yeah, their, their surface detail was great. It's nice and crisp, almost to me esque. I would say. Yeah. Dare I say? No. I, it, but I mean, but the fit is just. It's just things you're just like, what? And then like if you follow the instructions, I don't know what you would. I don't know what you would come up with in the end. Yeah, you know, you, know. you made the comment earlier about well, you know, time for some basic modeling and yep. put your modeling skills to it. And I, yeah, I, man. And I get it. My, my heartburn was with the whole thing is is the kids out there starting, you know, dad buys them a hundred dollar kit for Christmas. And then they have to go through the frustration of trying to figure it out. And in this time when we're trying to uh, keep people in the hobby or push people towards it and man, it's just frustration. That's going to push them away. You know? Well, shame on the dad for buying him a kitty Hawk kit. Well, Might as well buy him a suit or like clothes was- for Christmas. You know, I think I'd probably rather get clothes for Christmas than, you know, some a new tie, crappy ass kitty hawk kit. <laughs> I, I need a new tie and a pair of suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, anyhow, but it's it's getting there, man. It looks good. Thanks. It looks really good. I can't wait to see the finish. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of it's more work than I thought I was going to have to put on it. But uh, you know, just like with anything, you you add you put a little put a little elbow grease, a little time, a little patience, and make anything work. Except yep. their F-35C. I've never seen that thing built up that looks good. Oh, Everyone man. I've ever seen looks like a pile of hammered crap. Dog poo. Dog yeah, poo in man. a bag. Yeah, man. Not good. <laughs> anyway, that's what I got. SU-27. Oh. Then after that, oh, man. Yeah, my next one's going to be cool. I'm yeah. buying everything I can find for it. So I'm, oh, I need to know what this I saw that in the old show note there. I want to know what this secret project is. Oh, my my secret pro, my secret next project is my 30-second yeah. scale Super Hornet secret project. Yeah, that one. Mm. It's not really a secret. I just um I got the bug, man. I want to do a 30-second scale Super Hornet. So a big bug. All good to go. Yeah, man. I got two sets of decals just in case I screw some up and I'm going to do the, the aircraft that you did in 48. I'm going to do that one in 32nd. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Super bug, huh? Yeah, man. Very, very cool. I'll do the E and I'll do, um, those, the, the same markings. I, I, I just have to figure out, am I going to fold the wings or not? I'm going to pop the, pop the, uh, refueling probe out, you know, obviously open the canopy and some other stuff, but, um, I just have to, and I even got the loadout figured out. So I had, and I ordered a ton of stuff from ResKit. See how long yeah. it takes to get here, but 
Um, and I'll dirty it up pretty good. I want to do, I want to do a line jet. All the decals that are out there, they're all high vis, you know, cag birds. And I I don't want that. I want a a line bird. So the one that, the one that shot down the SU 22, that one will, that one will do the trick. I think there's speed hunter graphics, the decal sheet. So the kit was only like 90 bucks. I got it at Fairfax, but I've probably spent two or 300 on aftermarket (laughs) stuff. stuff. Which kit was it? The trumpeter kit. Okay, trumpeter kit. Yeah. Yeah. I would touch the Ravel kit. Yeah. Oh, they, they, yeah, Ravel does make it done. Yeah. But very cool. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get that 27 done. I want to see the, uh, I want to see the Hornet now. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Hope so. Frildo. What you got, man? What are you working on? I'm still working on the MiG-23. I got the uh, gear doors are all on. Just got to paint the ordnance, and then I can flip it over, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. Put the canopy on. I got a few small details I want to add to the inside of the canopy still. Man, that and, thing's uh, like a sticky booger, isn't it? You're having a hard time flipping it off your finger. No, nah, just, I've just been busy with other stuff, and it should have been done like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, <laughs> but just busy with other stuff, and... uh I got some paint on my uh, Triple P's um, Sherman build. Uh-huh. I got some paint on that today. So, and then I was messing around, and uh, I was going to cover this when I, you know, the new, you know, new kits I picked up. But I got the uh, Trumpeter forty eight scale, the Ural AP APA five D, the power cart truck that they have, and the cargo truck. And I was going to put that next to it, but my base I, I think is too small, so. Is that the base that Dirk's built for you? Yeah. And so it's a little, I don't want to be too cluttered. And so I picked up that and I got the trumpeter, uh, or no, excuse me, the Kitty Hawk weapon set. Yeah. Oh, the bomb pylons and stuff. And it has a couple jacks in it, like, you know, little, uh, jacks. So I'm going to put those or a couple around it, yeah. you know, just kind of. Man, Dirk's just like the king of the large displays. I'm surprised he didn't send you a coffee table or something. <laughs> yeah. That was Wachowski, man, with his big cake, his cake <laughs> bases. Crazy. But they're well done, though. They are That's well done. Thing. They are well done. You it's look at it, like, you're like, wow, it looks kind of cool. Yeah. But you can look across the table and like, oh, yeah, there's Wachowski's. Yeah. It stands up like three feet above everything else. I look yeah. at Dirk's B1 base, man. I think he's making up for something. Anyhow, that's a... <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear about that one tomorrow. But no, that's it. That's all I got going on. Very cool. Very cool. Whitey? I get the uh, in-work on the Sherman still. Um, finished up paint on it and just slinging weathering product at it. I tried some of that ammo wash the other day. Again, I think I got it from Frill. Gave it to me. And uh, it looked pretty good. It's like a brown mix of stuff. Um, so it's that sim- the, what, track wash? Nah, it's, I don't know. The panel panel line wash. Oh, the panel, yeah. panel wash. Dirt and grime wash or something like that, it's called. Um, and it comes off with that white spirit stuff that stinks to high heaven. You, you can, you can uh, listeners can really tell our level of uh, armor experience from this, uh, <laughs> yeah. this little back and forth. I have like none. So at, at any rate, yeah, just dirtying it up. I hit it with the mix of Tamiya brown black. You know that thinned out brown black. Shoot it. Shut some of that up in the in the track wells and uh, bogies and all that kind of stuff. Just getting it dirty. Um, slapped the three decals that I have for it on already. So I'll get those things 
weathered into the into the mix and uh <clears throat> then on to stowage. Throw some stowage on the back. Then you got a ton of that, door. don't you? Yeah, man. So <laughs> painting up some of that stuff and uh put it on there and call her done. Very cool. So you're back to the just uh, one gig at a time, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean again, so concentrating on that. And then I want to get back to my FJ two Fury and get that thing squared away. Yeah, that well, that thing has been sitting. Yeah, you, you put that aside, did the Hilo and everything else, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, man. Just again, rethinking that paint. Um, I think I'm just gonna try to hit it with a uh, Tamiya black and see what how that reacts to it. If it's good to go, I'm just gonna get get the blue put down over that and move on. Yeah, just use it as a I'm primer and carry on. That's the last thing I'm, I don't want to deal with that mess. I start stripping yeah. it, I'm going to get really frustrated, and it's going to end up in the shit can. So, <laughs> colonize. Yeah, not going to, not going to Col- do that. Colonize that bad boy. Speaking of uh, decals, uh, Scott, you uh, you got that new uh, Tamiya Mark Fit super strong or extra strong? Have you tried that yet? I have no. I mean, I haven't. I uh, haven't had a chance to try it. So no, I haven't. Okay. Just curious. I know that I saw a text saying you were going to start shooting some uh stickers on your su-27 so i didn't know if uh yeah i probably i mean i, I need to try it on a mule first but yeah. um probably go with the standard you know microsol or the set then the saw then once that see how that works and then put the solve a set on it so i'll be using Copy. the linden hill uh, stencil sheet and then he's got a couple of really cool flanker sheets so but yeah, I'm anxious to see how it works. It's supposed to be really, really good stuff. I uh, I I put some on these uh, carbon fiber stickers that I'm putting on this uh, the Salvino's car, and uh, it works in a in a hot minute, man. It starts oh, no kidding, well. huh? Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So it's I would suggest, uh, especially with yeah, especially with like cartograph decals uh, being as thin as they are. Yeah. Yeah, I check them first. I, I can see where the thicker Tamiya decals, that stuff is going to be money. I think it's just going to yeah. lay it right in there. But it's the thinner stuff. It might just dissolve it. Eat it, it may. Up. Yeah. It may. These uh, gotcha. these carbon fiber decals, they they were uh, thinner, and they started to roll it back on itself. So, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it got, it's pretty hot. So uh, test it first. Noted. Got it. Thanks. Word to the wise, and which takes, I guess, uh, the stuff I'm working on. Uh, I broke out finally my Nats group build, A4 group build plane. So got my TA4J out. What you scheme got, are you doing? I am doing an adversary scheme. On yeah, the, the new is it Fighter Town set? And uh, what scheme? I am going to do the O1 Duke Cunningham jet. Yep. Cool. For VFA 126, ni- about 1986. So cool looking scheme. I like cool, the, uh, the light tans and the dark browns and green. It's just cool looking, cool looking plane. So it'll be a lot of fun. You know how I am with the uh, camo. Easy peasy. Not. Don't do it. So this is, uh, this will be a, uh, easy. Uh, a learning experience for this guy. Nah, man. Just come bring it over here and we'll do it together. I'll show yeah. you. It's Get easy. the mule. Get the mule. We'll we'll do some. Uh, I'm also working on that Salvino's JR next gen car. New. Uh, that's that new kid on the street, and it's uh, pretty cool so far. So, 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. How about a little uh, geek news? Some show stuff. This PaxCon, we got that coming up. Scott, you got anything on PaxCon? Man, I got all kinds of stuff on PaxCon, man. PAXCon. So again, uh, just next uh, next year in October, October 7th, day after my dad's birthday, um, we have our inaugural PaxCon here in uh, Pax River area. So uh, I'll be at the, the Hollywood uh, Volunteer Fire Department. So uh, we've got quite a bit of planning that's uh, gone underway. I think we've talked last time we talked about um, we're doing gold, silver, bronze. So I think that we all agree. I think that's 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 going to be an incredible um, way to showcase modelers' talent and make sure the folks that um, should be recognized are recognized. And um, while they're not participation trophies, they are going to be, um, you know, a, a way for folks to to come into the hobby. I hope we get folks that have always wanted to go to a, a show and maybe like, oh, I don't know about the competition thing or the contest. Just bring your model, whether you enter it or not. It doesn't matter. Just bring your model. And uh, that's why we that's the, the best part about those shows is just uh, the camaraderie and getting to meet people and talk models. Yeah, I mean, we, we got guys in our own club that won't enter. Yeah, hopefully know? they hopefully they will. Hopefully they will. So, um, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great show. I know that, um, not just a great show, but you know, I've always wanted to, to kind of help put on a show. And, uh, I think we've got a, a, a great group of folks who have quite a bit of experience in modeling and combined with some folks just up the road, some folks, of course, here in our own club that have put on shows before. So, um, I think, you know, each time we're meeting monthly, um, we're checking off the blocks and getting things done. And I really think, again, if, if you can, if you can make it, please make it again, 7 October, 2023 Hollywood volunteer, uh, fire department here in Pax river, PaxCon 2023. And the awards are going to be cool, man. Cool. They They're they awesome. Are. So anyway, uh, more to follow. We'll have some stuff up. I don't, I know that we've been working on getting the website up and all that good stuff with forms and registration and blah, 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 all that stuff. So, you know, of course it's the, the crawl walk run. So we're just kind of still in the crawl phase trying to get the website up, but uh, more to come um, and more to follow on that. Uh, we'll put out how to get to the website and all that good stuff, but any questions about it, hit us up and yep. uh, we'll be happy to, to answer questions and look forward to seeing everybody there. That's going to be a lot of fun, man. Great venue too. Yep. You know, yeah, we'll yep. have a, have a good time. So, uh, speaking of shows, man, nationals, and uh, that's coming up here before too long. Real, you got any updates on uh, the nationals? Yeah, man. Nationals is only 69 days, five hours, and 22 minutes away. So, God. and that's it July. Like yesterday, it seems like yesterday we were in Vegas. I know, man. July 20th to the 23rd this year. So, it's a little earlier in the year than Nats passed. So, something to keep in mind, too. You know, here we are. Almost halfway through May, and Nats is like right around the corner. I know, and then, Darren, are you? I'm sorry, Darren. Are you actually? Is it official? Are you driving? It is not official yet. I'm. Uh, I'm still on the fence. That's a long haul. Um, I'm probably about seventy five percent there. Okay. But, uh, I need to talk to a couple of people before I make that. Uh, gotcha. That golden decision. <laughs> How, hopefully, it. I'll know something here before the end of the uh, end of the the uh, next week probably cool man so 
Yeah, because I think um, <laughs> if you, we all want you to drive. I know you do. Because they're like, free, ooh, guys. hold on. Hey, do you mind? Take you, can, can you carry this model for me? Hey, ooh, <laughs> if I buy some stuff, can you bring it? Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm not, but anyway. You guys are after me. <laughs> All right. I think you should drive. Why do you we'll think? See. I think we'll you should see. drive. Yeah. I mean, drive. Go ahead. See yeah, the country. Frill does save me. Frill thinks you should drive too. <laughs> yeah, man. You're driving. You can bring back all our stuff. You can carry our luggage out for us so we can carry oh, more airplanes. No, 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 no. All right, Frill. I'm sorry, man. Carry on, shipmate. Uh, get, let's see. We got the. Um, the 2022 Virginia shootout over in Roanoke. That's going to be on 13 August. That's a good one too. Yep. Uh, we've been to that one before. Then you've got yep. Marauder con coming up on 22 October. And then sandwiched in between those two, we got PenCon up in uh, Pennsylvania on 10, in a, on 10 September. <laughs> and then looking forward to the way too early next year. One April is a uh, mosquito con up there in Wayne, New Jersey. Man, lots coming up, man. That's just the East Coast. Yeah. Well, not Nats, but, you know, the rest of them. In any case, that said, I know there's a lot more out there. So uh, I want to put in a plug real quick for the IPMS uh, schedule. Uh, make sure y'all, uh, the listeners out there, y'all check IPMS and uh, look at their schedule and uh, look for shows uh, near you guys. Uh, go to a show. Also, too, real quick, back to the, circling back to the Nats, the uh, model forms and stuff are on there already. So you can go ahead and download those and fill them out, as well as the rules. So I know there's been a couple rule changes, and so now would be a good time to download the rules and get to know them personally. Read the rules. Yeah, there were some good, there were some good special categories, too, we were talking about a little bit there earlier. There are, like uh, best F-14, or not, best F-4, best, uh, let me see, I got it right here. You're looking at, let's see, they got best P-51 Mustang, best F-4 Phantom, best M-4 Sherman, best U.S. Navy aircraft carrier, best Korean Air War, the American Serviceman, and best use of IPMS decals. Man, you just got Whitey pumped up over there. Uh, I was just hoping to hear best tail hook. (laughs) No, that's not this one. Uh, man, they should have best tail hook for sure. <laughs> nope, that's already taken. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I got, I, I'm, I'm think I'm going to bring the F4. So, yeah, you should, I should. I, I, I wanted to bring a couple of them. I just, man, I don't know how I'm going to bring them. Yeah, that's, that's the only. I, I don't know what I'm. I don't even have a clue what, my head what I'm bringing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the F4 might be the only thing I can bring. Hmm. I just don't know how I'd carry anything more than that. I got one that I know for sure is coming. Well, what's, what's that? that? The tracker. Oh, the tracker. Oh, you gotta carry that yeah. on plane. Yeah, dude, I already got a box. Oh, it's already good. got a box made for cool. it and everything. Are you gonna put it? You gonna put it under the seat or in the, no, what, what are you gonna do with it? I'm gonna use the same box that I used to transport my stuff to um, San Antonio and then that's last year. Yeah, mine won't fit in that type of box. The S3 pail is too high, man. Yeah. I was kind of worried about that, but the way that one I have is kind of tall on top, so enough clearance for the rudder. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to make a, I'm gonna have to make that. a new box, something that would fit under the seat in front of me, or you know, sit. Yeah, I just, ooh, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Might we'll not be bringing we'll anything. <laughs> we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I might end up driving. Who knows? There you go. What, you're going to drive? Well, if I can't bring any of my stuff, man, what the <laughs> hell? Yeah, right. it'd be a nice drive, right? It'd be an easy drive. Yeah. Except for the 18-hour thing. <laughs> that That's suck. not that bad. Um, you could stop and do some shopping at Sprue Brothers on the way. If he's not closed down, because he's going to be at Nats, too. That's right. Y'all need to look for us at Nats. We're going to be parked right next to Sprue Brothers, right there in the, uh, well, was it just outside? In- Man, that's going to be fun. I can't it believe is. Nats is coming up again. <sighs> Man, I'm pumped. I'm excited. It is a lot of it's fun. Like Christmas. It is a lot of fun. It's crazy when you get older, when you're like, what are you looking more forward to, Nats or Christmas? Nats. <laughs> My wife's like, such a kid. I'm like, mm-hmm. yep. Keeps you young, man. Yeah. It's good. Except for the big bald spot in the back of my head, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, wear a hat. <laughs> there you go. It moved from the top of my head to my back. That's how you know you're getting old. Well, that's All good. funny. Sorry, TMI. <laughs> All right, cool show. So like I said, uh, make sure uh, y'all are going to IPMS. Uh, listeners, go out there, check out IPMS schedule and see if there's anything uh, near you. Uh Get to a show, enjoy it. There's a lot you gain a lot of inspiration from going to the shows. I know I do. And the vendors, lots of great deals to be had. And speaking of vendors, uh, we got a quick hobby town uh hobby shop shout out. But before I do that, I would like to take a moment and talk to y'all a little bit about our Patreon page. Uh I want to start though by saying that our supporters over this past year have been nothing short of amazing. It's been those supporters that have truly made this podcast possible, and all four of us thank you. If you, uh, the new listener or listeners out there, are interested in supporting, then there are two different ways that you can support. The first is by doing a one-time donation. You can do that by simply clicking the heart icon in the top right-hand corner of our webpage. By clicking that icon, you will be taken to our PayPal Me page where you can make your donation. It's that simple. The second way is by visiting our Patreon page. There you can donate as little as $1 a month. And I want you to know that any contribution helps to offset the production of the cost, and it is greatly appreciated. I also want to take a second to remind everyone out there that there are other scale modeling podcasts out there for your listening enjoyment. And a list of those podcasts can be found at www.modelpodcast.com. I'll put that link in the show notes so you can all find it. Once again, I want to say thanks for downloading and listening, and most importantly, thank you for your support. So, all right, with that said, let me tell you a little bit about Andy's Hobby Shop, or Andy's Hobby Town in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I, uh, as y'all heard in the beginning of the episode, was on vacation down there visiting my, my old man, and he and I took the drive out to uh, Andy's Hobby town in man it is just one of the greatest old mom and pop hobby shops gentleman by the name of andy sitting there working you can tell tell andy is there meeting people and come in the door uh and they're just the friendliest folks on the face of the planet man those are just the best hobby shops too are the mom and pop ones you know the ones that have been there for years and you know i love it i love it Uh, and I, i wish the hell we still had something like that around here but Nope. 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 Did nope. you uh did you zap it? 
I did not zap it. Didn't have any with me, and I kind of kicked myself in the God, butt. Didn't dang. even think about it. And I, I should have taken some zappers. I mean, my niece was in town visiting, and uh, she was going on about the podcast and everything. She thought of how how it was kind of hilarious, and uh, <clears throat> and my wife said, "Oh, give her some swag." So I had a couple stickers kicking around, so I gave them to her, and I was like, "Because she's going on a trip to Europe." I said, right. "Hey, you know, get me some snaps while you're out there." You know, stick the sticker up on stuff and take pictures. She's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Zappers, Navy tradition, Naval aviation tradition. Need to get some more of those. I'm about out yeah, of it. Yeah, we them. need a new stack of them before we head out head out west. That's for sure. I think I think we do. I think we do. Well, speaking of uh, Andy's, I was there. I was able to pick up a couple kits. Uh-oh. I always love doing a little bit of Uh-oh. shopping. Yeah. Yep. And one of them I bought, and we've already talked about the mess that is Kitty Hawk, and I thought Scott was going to come through my phone and choke me when he saw that I picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> was, I mean, dude. Okay. Was my, my Kitty Hawk SU-17. But, uh, Good you luck. know. Spencer my, built it. It sure looked freaking awesome when he built it. He did. He did. Yep. I will say stupid stuff like what? I mean, that fuselage is made up of six pieces. Is it I six? think it's like 20. it's ridiculous it's ridiculous but hey i'm up for the challenge i also picked up another mig i got the academy uh, mig 21 mf which is pretty cool kid i'd actually seen that one overseas and wanted to get it and always passed but they had a really good deal on it so i jumped on it was there yeah you know was it almost free or free uh that one was almost free yeah Actually, that one might have been free. I think it was right at twenty five bucks. So okay, that's free. Yeah, that's, that one might have been free. Um, but wait, you guys uh, pick up anything, Scott? You get anything new? Man, I did. So I picked up a whole ton of aftermarket for the trumpeter thirty second scale Super Hornet. I mean, I got intake or the the yeah, I got the intakes, the GT resin full intakes. I got uh, boarding ladders, seat, decals, um, GBU-12s, 24s, um, res kit wheels, exhausts. I think that's all for now. Good Lord. Yeah, throwing the whole shebang at it. I don't know, man. I'm excited about doing this thing. I really am. I've I've seen the, the all the reviews online and all the builds are like, this is it's really a pretty decent build. So I am, I'm excited to do it. Yeah. I actually saw, uh, while I was on vacation, I saw the picture in the text group. You had posted some pictures, all the small boxes. I was trying to see what it was in there, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell. Yeah. I'm pretty excited, man. I haven't, I haven't done a big project in a while. I've always want, you know, I just, you know, I was going to do the whole legacy, um, Hornet from Academy. I've got a couple of those sitting around, but I don't know. I just kind of got the, urge to do a super hornet so everybody seems like they're working on a super hornet so i'm gonna knock it out and excited to i mean yeah I'm, you know you know me i'm a legacy hornet guy uh and i'm a fan of the legacy hornet but yeah. after building that ming super hornet um that's yeah, pretty cool I'm, i mean really I'm changing my tune a little bit it's really, fun it, it is i mean it's uh i think some of the just some of the newer kits are they're pretty decent, you know? So, um, and then, so I picked up a, just a ton of stuff and then, uh, I did get that 
new Zvezda 48 scale SU25, which looks really nice in the, I mean, I, I, I was so interested in it. I actually like opened the kit up, which is super what? rare for me. I know <laughs> I actually like opened it up, checking it out, looking at the spruce. Now, of course I didn't open the bags that the spruce come in. I mean, let's not go crazy with the cheeses here. <laughs> you, know you ain't lost your mind completely. I, no, no, no. But I, but I mean, the decals look nice. The instructions are super clear. The it has both raised and recessed rivet detail and panel. It's just nice. It's really I've, really. I've cool heard looking. that about Svesta's, uh yep. exterior detail that they got some really good stuff going on. Yeah, I even I, ordered. I ordered uh, the uh, Quinta interior for it. So um, yeah. if I ever build it, which I probably won't, I will use that. So, and then I got ten ladders from LP Models. Finally came in. That's what I saw was the ladders. Yeah. I got ladders. ten. I got ten of them. Yeah, they're just freaking amazing. I mean, they they come ready to paint. They're already off. There's no attachment sprues or nothing to the because I think they're all 3D printed. They're all off. They're all cleaned up. They're literally ready to go right out of the box. That's way they cool. They are cool. Yeah. That is way cool. And then a bunch of decals and stuff. So that's what I got. Stickers, not decals. Light week for me. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Frildo? You had something? Uh, I forgot now. <laughs> Frillo, what what would you pick up? Um, what did I pick up? I picked up the Kitty Hawk forty eight scale, the Ural A five, or uh, Ural forty three twenty, the APA dash five D, the Russian um, tow tractor, freaking. Oh yeah, uh, you mentioned that electrical starting cart. It's like the big like six by six truck or whatever it is. Not the one Mike those. had for sale. No, he had the weapon set, the bomb ah, building, uh, the bomb. Yeah. So I picked those up. I didn't get them from Mike, but I got them off of uh, Sprue Brothers, and I picked those up. And I just want to put some stuff around with the uh, MiG-23 because it's close to being done. So, Gotcha. And <clears throat> like Scott, I picked up some of those LP model boarding ladders. And uh, I might have to take a look at those. They're I'm nice, a little excited man. now. And they fit, too, because I took the one for the MiG-23. And I put it up next to the MiG-23, and it fit perfect. Just like, boom. Even with my landing gear correction that I did to that. Oh, yeah, that's right. You set the rear end down on it, didn't you? I did. It was just... Yeah, talk, what right. did, talk about what you did there, man. You did some... I mean, it was already glued on and everything. And then what uh, What did you do to get it to... Because, I mean, I, how does it look now? I think it looks pretty good now from the pictures that pictures you Pictures I saw it look great. Yeah. Yeah, so I got the wheels on. I got them aligned with five-minute epoxy. and. Everything is straight, sitting on the flat spots, and I was looking at it, and it looks like it's almost sitting up on its tiptoes, kind of. It's like sitting way too high for a MiG-23. So I was doing some looking around, and the earlier MiG-23s, like the MiG-23 Flogger Bs, those really squat a lot in the rear. But when they got around to the MLDs, they didn't squat as much, but they still, there's a noticeable squat to them. And the way this was, it was almost sitting like straight. And I couldn't let it go. And so I sat there and uh, I was conversing back and forth with Gabe. And I was like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. And the landing gear and that thing are weird anyway. And because I already had it attached to the airplane. So I had to take my uh, Hasegawa razor saws and I cut where the gear pivots on the real thing on the lower control arm or lower strut. And so I cut it there so that I could get it off the model. So now that I had it off the model, I went ahead and drilled holes and pinned it. 
so that when I went to go put it back, I had a, a metal rod going through there to support it. And so then I was looking at it, and it looks like the oleo was just extended too far. And so to do that, I had to cut. I had to cut the oleo off as well as the lower strut to the the main part. And when I did, I just rotated it up and re-glued everything with 5-minute epoxy. It went, did the other side. And the thing was, I couldn't check it really until it was all done. You know, and it's like, I hope I got this right. So I met, you know, measured it like three times to make sure both sides were right. And when I got it all back together, I used 5-minute epoxy and I let it sit for two days before I flipped it over to check it. That's I a want, smart move. I want to make sure that epoxy had no excuses of why it shouldn't be dried. And when I flipped it over and I set it down, it was perfect. I put my little level because, you know, the MiG-23, the MLD has those chaff and flare buckets on the top. I have a level that I got, a little level that I got from somewhere, a little bubble. And I put that on there and that bubble was like right in the middle. And I got it sitting level and looking at it. And like I posted the pictures, that squat is is right on now because Dugues, Matt McDougal, he did a 30-second scale one. And all the trumpeter MiG-23s have this problem except for the flogger bees because they come with the gear that have already corrected, you know. So, and he had a little write-up thing on there. And he's, and he's the one that found out that the MLDs and later floggers did not squat as much. And rotating that arm around the knuckle just enough made it the good, the proper sit to it. So that's a a question I was going to have. Is that, did you find the procedures on how to do that? Or did you just start cutting? I just started cutting. I put on my thinking hat and I was like, how am I going to do this? Now you took pictures along the way, right? I did. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to put a write up on that out there on the, on the, on the page. Cause that, I, I think it looks great. That I saw it uh, over at your house before. You yeah. started doing that, and then the pictures, and I mean, it's night and day different. It really yeah, looks and, good. And be, where I cut it, when you put the gear together, there's a it's a it's pinned right there anyway, and it's a pretty big, beefy square peg that goes into that. So yeah. if I would have caught that beforehand, it would have been even easier because I could have just adjusted the uh, the lower part of the strut, and then yeah. just slid that in there. And there was then there's one other little tweak you need to make. On the real thing, the way the main mount goes into the wheel well, the main part of the strut that is like attached to the wheel well is at like a 30, 40 degree angle. And the kit, it has it straight across. And, gotcha. I, use the, and I use the Aries wheel wells and they're the same way. So if I do, if you ever do another MLD, just rotate that a little bit just to give it a little, yeah. you know, and that will help with the squat too. So. Very cool. Yeah, I think that one warrants a write-up or maybe how-to. We'll discuss. Yeah, man. I think that, that that helps some folks out out there. Very cool, man. Very, very cool. Whitey, anything new on your bench? Uh, you get anything? Uh, empty your wallet a little bit? Not get since the, something new? No, not since the Fairfax show. That was my last uh, hoorah. I haven't, haven't picked anything up since. Mm. That's restraint. Uh, I wish I had I that. Know. Man, it's nothing just uh, <laughs> jumping out at me. I mean, there, there are a couple items I'm looking at that, I'm, that I quote unquote need, you know, that, um, yeah. that I need to jump on. Um, I was actually looking today at um, a couple items from Aerocraft models. Uh, I picked up an item from them before they make brass gear 
that are really nice. And uh, they do some stuff for the ICM O2 kit. And one of the things they come out with now, they, they do a landing gear for that, which is, you know, if you're familiar with the O2, Cessna O2, it's got that, you know, kind of a spindly gear. So they make a, a brass fix for that that I picked up a while back. I think I picked one up for Scott and a couple other people too when I made my order because they're, they're out of England, I believe. Um, but they just come up yep. with um, brass uh, wing supports as well for that same kit. So I was like looking at that. I was like, yeah, man, that's a good idea. I should probably grab some of those uh, on top of a couple of item, other nice items that they have. Um, and then there's this other company that uh, Dave from the club turned me on to a while back called Small Stuff. They make these 72 scale engines that are phenomenally detailed. They're uh, 3D printed things. And um, I have a uh, VacForm N3N coming. Uh, for those unfamiliar with that, that's a Naval Aircraft Factory. Uh, was a company out of Philadelphia building trainers for the Navy back in the uh, 30s, 20s and 30s. And uh, was it Esoteric makes a VacForm kit of that thing. So just an airplane I've always kind of liked. And the engine for that, I, I don't want to mess around with a VacForm or a white metal engine. And these guys make the... Uh, right r760 engine that is really nice looking so i was goofing off at work today and uh cruising the internet trying to find one of those and a couple of companies a uh, store out of poland has them and um a couple of other places that i saw them so I'm gonna, i'll order up one of those when, when i when i get the kit yeah i saw the uh, motors i think those are the ones tim had sitting there in front of him when uh we were he doing a little show have, and tell those, yep. those are really cool looking mm-hmm. Yep. Very detailed for that set, that scale. Yeah, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. Most 72 scale engines like that, that are exposed. They usually, you know, they look like little blobs of plastic, but some of these nicer, you know, the three, three D printed ones that are coming around nowadays are really sharp looking. That's the wave of it. Now that 3d printing, some of the stuff is really, really cool. It sure is. Been thinking about pulling the T on, peeing the T on one of those myself. We'll see. We'll see. All right, well, let's move on. I want to move on to uh, the tip and tool of the week. I think uh, I think old Nemo over there has got us a tip or a tool or maybe both. Well, I don't know. You know, it's uh, we've been talking about it actually already here quite a bit tonight, and so that's why I I just wanted to kind of focus on it and let people know that um this is this was kind of a game changer for me, um, and it was something that frill and whitey have been doing for a while now and i don't know who kind of started with going to using epoxy for landing gear all the time and um on the su27 i was having some real problems with how am i going to get certain pieces to fit there just wasn't a whole lot of plastic there so i need something that's i mean i need a solid solid bond and so I bought some Loctite epoxy instant um, mix. It's a five, the five minute kind, and it has the. It's basically two plungers. So you you pull the cap off and you squeeze both of the plungers, and so it's mixing a little. I don't know. I just use a little plastic, you know, margarine container. Mix the uh, appropriate amount. Took a toothpick, mixed it all up real good, and then I just used the toothpick to dab the epoxy where I needed it. And it doesn't take much. You do. That's the great thing about this stuff, man. You do. You don't need a ton. 
And uh, there's no way, there's no way I could have made this landing gear work on the SU-27 without epoxy. There's no way. It wouldn't have worked. You know, back in my earlier days, too, I used to use epoxy for instrument panels to replicate the glass. And like uh, CRT screens, like on a Phantom, uh, it's got the big round, like F-14 scope in the back. Yep. And just put a dollop of uh, epoxy on there, too. Yeah, it, it's a... Uh... It was really easy to work with. Just you don't need much. Um, I mixed up a hell of a lot more than I really needed. <laughs> I've made that mistake. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was I was really surprised at um, how workable it was. Like it started setting up pretty quick. But it was enough that I could manipulate the nose gear. Really, it was the nose gear that I had. Just one of the, to be honest with you, the reason why. I haven't finished this SU-27 is a landing gear. The the struts, having them missing struts, and so you had to, you know, drill and pen. But but it wasn't like straight into plastic. You had to, you have to beef up the plastic areas because the plastic is so crappy that it won't hold the, the pen. So I had to drill out, then put um, epoxy in there, put the pen in, it, little stuff like that. It's just, it, it just, God dang, it just makes you want to not build it because it, it's taken me a week or so to figure, you know, figure out how am I going to do this? You know, how am I going to get it so that it all, how am I going to make it so it's strong enough and not all wonky, you know? So, cause I don't want to, I put so much time into the paint and the finish and the metal areas and the camo and every cockpit, everything to have, crappy ass wonky stupid looking gear i don't care whether i ever take it to a show or not that for me would just i'd colonize it anyway just what saved the day is freaking epoxy five minute type so i i highly recommend everybody and the kind i got was just the simple old kind with the, the the dual plungers it's called loctite epoxy instant mix five minutes it says a uh, translucent yellow so it'll let you know if it's mixed up just right and it's not super yellow or anything it's just barely 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 yellow yeah and to let you know that it's mixed properly and then yeah man i i let it sit i mean i kind of uh tweaked it a little bit for that five minutes and then it was definitely set up enough that i was like yep gonna leave it alone i came back um this afternoon freaking steel rock hard completely no, done perfect I, done i've i've had some for quite some time and and uh, actually i've got the uh the bob smith industries uh two-part and uh, I, and it set in the blister pack forever, yep. until Whitey used it on his uh, 117 canopy to put that F 117 canopy on. And I was like, you know what? That's a damn good idea. So I, I've started using it on my landing gear as well. It's just, uh, it's just. Uh, I, yep, I would have never really thought about using epoxy because I'm like, man, it's just I don't. Nope, nope. Changed, changed, yep. man. It's good work, stuff. work like a champ. I, there's no, again, there's no way I would have been able to, to get the, the nose gear correct, correctly fitted to where it looks good and straight. If I, if I hadn't used epoxy, there's, it just, the way it's, it's built, the way it's set up, I had to drill and use steel pens yeah. in order to, to get it to work. Yeah. Cause the plastic's just not strong enough to support it. So I would, my, uh, my tool oh, and tip. 
I, I, I would throw a caution out there uh, for the listeners, you know, that's uh, make sure you're getting the right type of a, some of those stuff out there. If you're put, if you're mixing up a two part, uh, like an automotive grade stuff, that stuff's going to get so hot. It's going to melt your, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to melt your, your plastic. Yeah. So, so make sure you're getting the right stuff. The Loctite Scott's got uh, the Bob Smith industries. Yeah, it's like uh, hobby, hobby type epoxy, not, for your yeah, car man. yeah man because <laughs> I, I you know i've seen modelers out there that'll go and get you know paint from the yeah. automotive section and all to, to make sure you're getting the right stuff because you're you're going to melt something in a hurry with the heat yeah, from man. <laughs> yeah man so yep just to throw that out there all right thanks scott appreciate it sure certainly well hey uh you know right about now is when we would jump into the old mail bag but uh We've got one or two. I'm going to go ahead and forego those until uh, the next episode. And the reason why I'm doing that is because we've got, oh man, I'm excited to jump into it too. Our, our our segment tonight, our special segment, we are very fortunate to have with us tonight uh, Bert Kinsey and Rock Rozak of Detail and Scale. All right, Geeks, as I said, we are fortunate enough tonight to have with us uh, our special guest from Detail and Scale, uh, Mr. Bert Kinsey and Mr. Rock Rozak. Gentlemen, welcome to the Model Geeks podcast. It's great to see you. Good to be here, Darren. You guys do a great job. Uh, put out some really great podcasts, great to listen to while you're building models and are doing whatever. It's uh, good to be with you all. Thanks, I agree. Bert. I appreciate that. Thanks, uh that's a that's that's a great compliment. I really appreciate that. Rock, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, and I'm glad my system here is finally glitch free, so I can see all you guys. I can hear you guys, and I'm glad to be with you too. That's great. It's uh, it's this has been a long time coming. I know it's uh, it's been quite quite a while since uh, we've seen each other. I think the uh, last time. I, <laughs> What was it? Uh, the last show was what? Richmond, I guess. Uh, yep. Where Odeo. We together. yep. Oh, Odeo. Yeah, we were yep. right next Odeo. to you uh, in Richmond. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some pictures of uh, the five of us floating around. There's four oh, or six yeah. of us floating around. Yeah, there were. To, uh, post those. That's a good show, man. That was, yeah. Odeo doesn't suck. That, that's, um, that's always a good show. The vendor area was good and model, you know, competition's good and and uh, just tons and tons of that's that's a great show. I think they they really know what they're doing there. So it's it's a fun one. You know, speaking of shows, uh, we had our uh, PaxCon planning meeting last night. Oh we yeah, were, uh, we were at the venue over here at the uh, Hollywood Volunteer Fire Department, and it is off the chart. This is a uh, PaxCon coming up next year, my friends. It's going to be oh. great. Or in yes, twenty twenty three. It's next year. Yep. Yep. Uh, we're our website's going to go live here in October. Uh, and we're going to start doing vendor and this is, uh, directed to you guys at detail scale. We're going to do our vendor tables are going to start coming available and, uh, hopefully we'll see you guys come out this way. Uh, that'd be great to have y'all down for the inaugural PaxCon. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm, and it's, it's in October of 23, right? Yes, Correct. sir. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking yep. forward to it. Yes. Yeah. Sir. We were, we were, uh, you know, we met, we actually met at the venue. It's at the the Hollywood volunteer fire department. Cause there was some discussion about, well, is it going to be big enough? Is it not big? You know, man, it is, it's well lit. 
We're going to have, there's tons of room, plenty for vendors. There's lots of natural light and the interior lighting as well. Just the setup is going to be perfect. So I'm, I'm just like, I was going to bed last night thinking about like, man, this is going to be an awesome show. So I'm, yeah, it'd be great to have both of you there. And I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way and say, holy crap, man, we got Burt Kenzie and Rock Rozak from Detail and Scale on the podcast. Are you kidding me? Have we arrived? Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I've been reading these freaking books since I was like this big. I'm just like so pumped to have you both on here. It's an honor to have you guys on the podcast. I mean, yeah, I got like, I mean, hundreds of them. I wouldn't be the modeler that I am today if it was not for your publications. There's no way I would be at the level I'm at without what you and your books have taught me. So I am... As you can tell, I am excited to have you both on here. He's, so thank he's a little you. pumped. <laughs> thanks, thank you. thanks, Nemo. It's great to hear that. Always, always enjoy yeah. hearing that. I, I've been surprised awesome. over the years how many how many people have walked up to me and said they have every single one of them. You're talking yeah. 150 titles. You get to that wow. point. So yeah. it's it's amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm and thank you. I, I appreciate the comment. Uh, you're welcome. Thank and thank you for all that you both do. And and the the company is just it's such a great name. The product is just it's unbelievable. It's just world renowned. I mean, it's it's exactly what modelers need. You know, good reference photos and a section in the back that tells us whether a kit sucks or not and what the issues are. <laughs> That's right. And, I mean, I would always go back. You know, I'd go get the book, and I'm like, okay, which kit do I want? Oh, I need to stay away from that one. <laughs> All right. All right. This is the one I want to find. And then you go find it. And yeah, I was just, and that's from like, you know, I mean, I think I really got serious about build models in my late teens. And I'm, I mean, I'm 51 now. So I've been doing this forever. And it's just, it's a staple of the reference library or my detail and scale books, you know, so they're, yeah. They're well, you know, nice. and I really cool. appreciate that. And that's what, you know, you know, the modeler section is only about 10% or less of the book in the back, but, what you said is exactly its purpose. It's not to review in detail every single kit. It's to give you enough about the the, the uh, ones that are out there, ones that are available, and then you decide from what we've said about there, okay, this is the level I want to be at or this is what I want to avoid. It's not how to build it step by step, but it's that kind of review, and that's that's what we put in there to help you decide what's the best one to do, and then you can take a look at the rest of the, the other 90% of the book that the, the details and all of that. And then you can yep. uh, detail it out like, like you want to do it. Yep. Well, your time, your release of your um, Navy Marine Corps attack aircraft book couldn't have been more better timed because I got a sweet deal at the uh, Fairfax show on the trumpeter 48 scale, a three D two sky warrior that I want to do. And uh, your book's going to come in real handy for that. Well, good. I appreciate that. Um, you know, the, the odd thing about that, all, we've sent out all the courtesy copies. Everybody seems to got them. They've uh, gotten to Vince. Uh, you know, they're getting around. Our copies that we ordered for detail and scale, our file copies and Rock's copy and my copy have not showed up yet. <laughs> so we're still waiting for them to, to, to uh, I don't know why. They, they, I ordered them right off the bat, but they still haven't arrived here at the house yet. So I do need to get your attack aircraft book in print because I have your other two volumes so that way I can round out my volumes on a, in a paperback. So oh, yeah, what you got now is a, 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 a digital. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The attack one, all I have is a digital one, but I got your oh. print one. You're a fighter, your fighters and your, 
your other one. They're like right there. Okay. They're right there on my shelf. Gotcha. <laughs> and Whitey, what book did you just hold up a few minutes ago? This was actually the first uh, book I ever bought of y'all's. This is the uh, F14 A and B Tomcat. Well, and, what a coincidence um, that you would hold that book up. You want to tell them, right? Bro? I I've heard some rumors <laughs> that this y'all you guys got what a Tomcat book coming along here soon or what? Yes, we do. And Good stuff. You'll start hearing announcements about it in the next couple of days. All right, excellent. But, yeah, and and the announcements will be out there by the time you guys publish this podcast. Oh, excellent, if, good deal, sweet. Okay, if uh, all goes there well, we don't have any hangups with the publishing process, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we hope to have it uh, there in Omaha. So we, uh, all right, sweet. All right. So the people who'll be in Omaha, we will bring a stack of them out there if all goes well. That's the plan. Uh, uh, you never know when you're going to run to a glitch with the, the publishing process, but right now we're working toward that. Excellent. So, so, so there you go to our listeners. That that is a detail scale slash model geeks exclusive. You're hearing it here first, <laughs> right here. So I bought this copy down in Virginia Beach when I was stationed down that way, and uh, I just short time after I got married had a little. I think I used some of our wedding money to actually go treat myself to a Hasegawa. F fourteen Tomcat forty eight scale, and uh, you know that at the time that was the, what a great kit, man. That was the that was the great <laughs> well, kit at the, at the time. time. Yeah, it was and the bees knees. In the same shop, I picked that up in. I saw the copy of this on the bookshelf on the uh, rack, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to need that too to go with it because I don't want to get I don't want to get this wrong." <laughs> the model's but, long gone. Of the though. old original series, that was the biggest seller by far. Yeah, excellent uh, job on the uh, yeah that. And again, this was the first one I bought, and uh, you know, I was like, um, yeah, I get. It. I was used to getting the in-action books, and not to talk about competition, but once I saw this, I was like, oh, right away, I love doing cockpit detail work and painting and everything like yeah. that. And all the photos in here, uh, right away, I was hooked. I was like, yep, you are changed. Those man. are the books to get. Yeah, well, the scoop on that book was that Larry Musinski, one of the oh, two yeah. pilots, had shot down the. SU-22s got in contact with me and sent me a write-up. Of, uh, and that was the first, and for a long time, the only place it was ever published as written by one of the pilots uh, about that engagement. And he, he sent it to me, sent me pictures to go with it, and uh, was a great guy. I loved working with him. And then uh, we, uh, one other thing that uh, the book coming, uh, I worked with uh, Jerry Camp, uh, Crandall, uh, the artist who did the um, – shoot down picture of uh Musinski shooting down that airplane the su-22 yep and uh then of course he got with Kleeman and Musinski and Ben Letton Anderson and um did a really really great job with it that artwork will be on the cover of the new book excellent all right awesome that's who I uh I did my Tamiya f-14 of was fast eagle 102 yeah I saw a picture of that it looked great well thank you so since we're all showing our books, I got I got to show you the first the first one that I ever right. bought. I still have it, and um, this is why I love adversary birds. This is this book is when I saw this book in the hobby shop. I, I was just like I, I don't know. I might have been like I don't know how old I was, but I was young. And this book right here is the reason why I adversary books and or models are absolutely my favorite. So and it's like 
coming apart a little bit and I've had to glue it and like retape it, <laughs> but it is just, is my favorite one. So anyway, I could, I'm sure we could like go on and on and on for like hours and days, but suffice to say your books are awesome. Thank Believe you. it or not, this, uh, this TA4J I'm holding up now is going to be my first adversary uh, built and uh, I need to borrow that book there. Nemo. <laughs> they had some uh, great I won't get it back. I won't get it back. Yeah, you might not like your paint mule. I still got that too. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, man. The library well, is yours. Wait, let me uh let me step in for just a second. I I, I kind of want to uh go in the way back machine because uh Bert, you had mentioned 150 uh publications or 100, 150 uh um uh, thereabouts. And, <laughs> I don't keep count. Let's, let, I, I, I want to go back and I want to hear the detail and, st- and scale story. Let's let, let, let's go back to how this all started. What what persuaded you to jump into that game, man? I mean, well, it was a number of things coming together. Of course, I've been building model airplanes since I was a little kid. Um, about oh, it started around 1956, I guess. But anyway, I, I'd become very interested in the real thing. I had become um, kind of known as a subject matter expert with the military with it. As a matter of fact, uh, um, my last assignment when I was on active duty in the Army was to write and create classes uh, at the Army Air Defense School, which was then at Fort Bliss, Texas, on um, military air power, uh, the uh, worldwide, uh, the good guys, and also the bad guys, what at the time was a Soviet air threat. So I created and wrote all those classes, and I looked at the manuals that the Army had, and they were all junk. So I wrote my own textbooks to go with it, only intended to use them in the class, but they got um, Army-wide, military-wide distribution uh, uh, quite a bit. So um, anyway, uh, that's kind of how I got into the writing in in the first place. Um, after I, uh, resigned from active duty, the, uh, Department of Defense gave me a call and asked me to come over and develop a course in, uh, again, at Fort Bliss, uh, on, um, aircraft identification, uh, for air defenders. And so I was doing that for, uh, quite a while, but, um, uh, so in, anyway, I had, you know, a, a pretty extensive background, uh, on the real stuff. So anyway, um, one night I was at, at my house and I was just building a model and I had a couple of aviation books there uh, by my desk as I was building the model. I don't even remember what it was now. But um, anyway, I kept looking through the books. I wanted to see what this part of the airplane looked like or that part of the airplane looked like. And basically back then, books were either just history of it or else uh, you could get some that uh, you know showed what markings they had or things like that. But that was about the extent of it. And uh, it was, you know, like you see in the cartoons, a little light bulb going off on your head. Why doesn't somebody write a book and focus on cockpits and wheel wells and engines and avionics and weapons and all that? And the little light bulb goes off and says, well, why don't you do it? You've got writing experience. and So um, I brought it up to quite a few publishers, uh, um, Arrow uh, publishers in Fallbrook, California, and of course, Squadron Single, some others. And I got letters back, you know, um, from all the publishers. Nah, that's not ever going to sell. It'll never work. 
um, that uh, and I've actually kept a few of them. But um, I'm kind of thick-headed, and if you tell me I can't do something or it's not going to work, that's when I probably am going to do it the most. Those are and, the uh, I told you so letters. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I started doing it on my own and with my wife's help uh, uh, but, um, and uh, two other guys, uh, Bill Slatton and uh, Paul Smith, good friends of mine. We kind of started it all together. It, uh, Paul Smith uh, was not a modeler at all, didn't know anything about airplanes. Bill Slatton was a modeler, uh, still is a modeler, um, and a good friend. But Paul Smith's end of it was his wife had been involved in printing. So we're going to do this. We're going to print ourselves. And she started a printing company to do it. That printing company still exists in El Paso, Texas, by the way. Uh, And we did the first few volumes there on our own. And then uh, things started going pretty well for us. So we started contracting. She couldn't handle color. So then we, at that time, so we went with another printer to start adding color. Long story short, within one year, we were selling coast to coast in 13 foreign countries. And all of the, all of the uh, publishers uh, who had said, no, it won't sell, were calling me on the phone. And actually, the vice president of Aero Publishers showed up at my door one night, not on said, we want to do this. <clears throat> um, we, we want to do your series. And I said, okay, well, here's the deal. I created it. I made it work. I will be glad to do it for you, but I'm going to give you the book camera ready. You don't change a dot on an I or a cross on a T or without my permission. And uh, so I'm going to give it to you that, that way. And you, you just print and sell it. That's all you're going to do. And they said, done. And then I said, well, uh, the royalty rate that you pay authors is not satisfactory. Here's what I want. And they said, done. And so off we ran. And that was Arrow Publishers. And we started doing books together. Um, well, we'd done seven already uh, on our own. And so Arrow Publishers in Fallbrook, uh, uh, California, that's A-E-R-O. Um, they, they started doing it. And then I started the colored marking series on top of the detail and scale series. And again, long story short, uh, the the guy who uh, owned it, the president of Arrow, his name was Ernie Gentle. He didn't like the fact that the vice president kept referring to Bert and Ernie. But anyway, um, (laughs) uh, he he was kind of an old guy, and he he wound up um, selling it to Tab Books, um, uh, selling the company to Tab Books. And after the deal was done, the, the funny thing happened was, he told the president of Tab Books in, in, uh, up in Blue Ridge Summit, Pennsylvania, he said, oh, by the way, uh, you don't get the detail and scales books because Bert has in his contract that if the uh, ownership of, of our publishers changes, then all rights revert back, revert back to him. So they don't have exclusive rights to print and sell them anymore. And the guy went ballistic. He said, well, why do you think I just bought your company? And so uh, he had to come and deal with me. and. Um, so I gave him my terms and whatever and uh, uh, asked for a signing bonus, and he paid it, and we went with Tab Books for a while. I won't tell you how much it was, but let's just say I bought a brand-new Firebird SE um, <laughs> with it. But uh, and, and from there on, oh, we went. Uh, they were bought later by McGraw-Hill, and uh, from there, of course, McGraw-Hill, I didn't want to really be dealing with him, so I moved to Kalmbach who does fine skill model. You're familiar with them. Yep. They, they talked me into uh, coming up with them for a while. 
And uh, then um, uh, they decided that they wanted to change how they do, did things. So I moved uh, then to, to Squadron and uh, had them print and sell for a while. Uh, and finally, um, what happened was it brought everything crashing down. In 2004, I had a um, kind of a weird thing happen. I got some uh, bacteria in one of my arteries that caused it to bleed and my body's defense mechanism shut it down and caused significant heart damage. I lost 30% of my heart. It caused a heart attack, and um, I lost 30% of my heart. And for 10 years, I couldn't work anymore. Uh, uh, didn't do any much. And then Rock Rozak, who uh, had come, I'd started working with Rock. We knew each other through Virginia Tech here um, uh, and alumni. And um, anyway, uh, he had done some artwork um, in. Uh, when he was the uh, alumni director here at Virginia Tech, and I saw it, and I was doing books for Ravel Monogram, a detail and scale. Some of you may remember the books and kits they did, and they came yeah. to me and had me do some of those for them as well as what I was doing for myself. And they wanted to add some color and profile, so I saw the rock do that. And since we knew each other, alumni, uh, we got together on that. And so we had established um, a working relationship with the books before. The heart damage happened, and I had to stop working. Uh, I was very fortunate to survive it, and it took a long time to come back. But anyway, uh, when Rock uh, was about approaching retirement from um, his job over at the uh, at Virginia Tech as the alumni director for the Corps of Cadets, he um, he he said, "Well, why don't we get going and do this again uh, and get start bringing your books back and do some digital work together?" and um, I was uh, always someone who would never let anybody edit my work. Uh, I wouldn't let anybody mess with it. But uh, rock was different, and um, I uh, the um, uh, partnership we have uh, formed together to uh, uh, get detailed and scale going again, and doing digital and then printed books uh, and uh, expanding them and making them better with the technologies we have today with print on demand and. Uh, and digital and so forth couldn't have been better. And um, we've been able to uh, enlarge the books, make better coverage. And um, I think, uh, you know, couldn't be happier with it. Um, and working together with Rock, it's just been really good. So that's kind of it, super condensed. Yeah, well, I will say the, the graphics in the books are just out of this world. I mean, they're... <laughs> I, there's there's decals made from those graphics so on and so forth and and they're just they're just awesome so rock your your background is it in graphic arts or is that uh no was it uh was it a hobby you picked up or how, how did that happen it was a hobby like all you guys i started modeling when i was a kid and uh, boy i can remember getting a b36 model as my from a family friend as my confirmation gift when I got confirmed <laughs> yeah. in my Catholic youth. And so I, you know, I did everything like you guys did. And then, you know, you go to college and you start meeting girls and things get away, but I kept it up and I went, uh, as Bert mentioned, we were both, uh, associated, associated with the Corps cadets at Virginia tech. So I got my air force commission there and went out and got my Ashley, uh, this month is the 50th anniversary of getting my wings. Wow. And uh, we're having a Zoom meeting. Our, my NAV class at Mather, from Mather Air Force Base is having a Zoom meeting in the first week in June. I'm kind of looking forward to that. But 
Um, so I, I was a B-52 guy for a number of years, navigator, instructor, nav, stand eval, nav, radar navigator. And as I, and I kept my modeling going until, um, I went up to a, my first staff position. And as I got through the staff and you know how it goes, you get promoted and then the free time and, and the, the kids come along. And so I kind of got away from it for a long time and until. Uh, the late 80s, uh, actually, no, early 80s, I got my first computer, an old Apple II computer. And so I had this, I just, you know, I, I've told people lots of times, I wish I'd had this desire to learn when I was in college, just to understand how the machine worked. So I kind of, and as I tried to stay up to date on with computers and stuff, I started playing around with computer drawing. I had no, I have no drawing uh, education or background or anything. So when I, when I eventually retired, I mean, you know, when you build a model, what are you doing? You're trying, you're trying to create in 3D something that accurately portrays a historical thing. And that's what my computer drawings were. So as Bert said, I'm the alumni director there and I, I put out a magazine a couple times a year and I throw in a drawing I did of an, of an Avenger flown by a class of 42 grad who sank the Japanese carrier Hio. And Bert, who, you know, I'd known Bert for a couple of years and I just knew that when he came in with the marching band reunion, I had to get the trumpet out of the museum because he was going to play that trumpet. And so that was my my knowledge of Bert Kinsey. And then after I published that Avenger profile in the magazine, Bert calls me in the office one day and says, hey, did you do that? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I might have need for some of your art and some of my books. And I said, some of your books? Well, I I had a ton of detail and scale books, but I'd never connected the name. So that's that's kind of how I got into it and how Bert and I became business partners and something that, well, my wife will tell you, when I retired from Virginia Tech 10 years ago, we knew I had to find some kind of hobby to stay <laughs> stay from being underfoot for her. And that's what I do. And so you guys weren't even at Virginia Tech at the same time, or I, th- I guess it would be uh, Bert's senior year and your freshman year, Rock, when you guys were at Virginia Tech together. We yeah, overlapped one year. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. We that's I, exactly I was right. a senior when he was a rat. <laughs> yep. yep. My rat year. I remember it well. I had as much hair that year as I do now. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. That's all right. I got enough for both of us. That's right, he does. God, you do. That's I'm just man. I don't know. I I I started losing my hair. Um, I don't know. I guess it was probably my early like latter part of my Navy career, and just one day my wife was like, "Um, honey, you're losing your hair." I was like, "What? No, I'm not." And I can't see the back of my head. I'm like, "I'm not losing my." And I was like, "Am I losing my hair?" And I could see a little bit of a ball. I was like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, here I am. I don't know. Ten. 50 years later, whatever it is. And uh, the flight doc said it was from the helmet. She's like, yeah, all you blonde haired guys, you light haired guys, y'all have those weak follicles. So wearing a helmet. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, did you, did you you ever wear a hat or anything when you're younger? I'm like, yeah, all the time. She's like, yeah. I was like, and I grew up in the eighties. So like hairspray and gel and mousse and all that crap was, you know, (laughs) it's all in there anyway. Sorry, rabbit hole. Well, um, I never, yeah, I never used the gel or the mousse, but I blame. I used to blame it on my flight helmet too. <laughs> See, that's, I'm going to stick with that one. I'm going to stick it to, to, to the helmet. Works. Yeah. 
Well, cool. Well, I, I, Mike, Mike, I got a quick question. So, um, because again, we talked about it earlier, but so the modeler section, because I that was, um, it was so different than any. It was the only book at the time that I remember when you know trying to learn about models and started really getting interested. You know, back when I was in high school, and it was all around the. Not that Top Gun is the reason why, you know, I love the Tomcat or why I joined the Navy, but it was part of it. I mean, of course I thought it was awesome, you know, but, uh, I wanted to do that long before, um, Top Gun ever came out and, and even building models, you know, it was something I I've been doing since I was like six years old. So that, how, how did you, I mean, how did, how did you connect the, I mean, it was just a simple, yeah, there's no books with the modeling section. And then, and then coming up with the idea of just a simple picture, with a quick description of, you know, you recommend it or you don't. And that's, that's really, you can, having the simple words of highly recommended, recommended or not recommended is, uh, it's just invaluable for somebody who's not only just a starting out sort of modeler, but even me as an experienced guy, I still go back to the books and I'm like, well, let me see what they said about this thing, you know? And I'm like, "Eh." and it's, I have to admit it influences what I've built in the past because I'm like, yep, the detail and scale guys know what they're talking about. They say this is a decent kit. I've never had a kit and built one that I'm like, yeah, they were way off. They were always on. And I think that's, that's where the credibility comes in is your research and that you can tell the time and effort that's spent putting the product together is why it's so good. Um, it's just not some half-assed, um, you know, uh, publication. It's a lot of effort and a lot of work that is, it just kind of checks the blocks. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I was just wanting to know what was the, what was there a spark or what was the, I just, it's such a brilliant section in, in the, in the books. So just talk. I was wondering if you can talk maybe a little well, bit more about it, the modeler section. It was, I don't know. It, it just came together naturally. I uh, almost didn't have to think it through. Uh, like I said, the light bulb came off. Oh, why don't you write a book that shows all these details? So, okay. Yeah. I want to show the details, but now how do you apply it to the models and whatever? And of course, back then things, the models were quite as details. The old school modeling. I mean, you had to take, pretty much a basic kit, not as basic as it was in the 50s or even the 60s, but in the 70s when we start, I started all this, you know, the Hasegawas and all that, you you had to, you, you, you could detail stuff out a lot, and, and you had to do a lot of conversions back then as well, because, you know, if you wanted a 70-second scale F-105 F-two-seater, you had to actually convert a D into a two-seater using two, two kits or something at uh, we didn't have that then. So, you know, I tried to show that um, uh, type of thing in there, and it just made sense. Okay, let's put the modeler section in there and uh, tell them what they've got to look with to start with, uh, either good or bad or indifferent, and then apply it to that. And then that's where the name just fell into place, detail and scale. Uh, so now, on the other hand, I will tell you, though, um, I over the years I've had many, 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 many people Tell me they buy all the books and they never build a model. They don't care about that last <laughs> few pages in the back that cover the models. They want the other 90 some percent of the book that covers the real thing. And they like the way because they want to see all that good stuff too. Uh, 
Yeah. And, and see all the details of what it's look like this looks like to sit in the cockpit or to change the um, guns and the wings or whatever, or what the engine was like. Uh, they don't build them all. But no, that's where the detail and scale comes from uh, for that series, of course. Now, of course, the colored marking series and our standalone book, like the attack book you just got, yep. of course, that doesn't have kit reviews or anything in it because yeah. they're about the models. And I, I, and I, from time to time, do like to write books that are kind of get away from that um, genre. Um, I guess the first major one I did was the um, uh, Operation Desert Storm uh uh, uh, which uh, yep. came out uh, back in the 90s. Uh, and I got encouraged to do that. And then, uh, of course, um, uh, the uh, standalone books we've done, Pearl Harbor, of course, uh, uh, was a big one. That, uh, that actually started as a, uh, a little book uh, that Ravel wanted to go with her uh, back in, what, 2001 for the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And then the people there saw it and one of the first things Rock and I did together was to expand that uh, because the um, uh, what was then called the Arizona Memorial um, Bookstore, it's now uh, Naval Parks, or uh, it's, I forget exactly what they call it now. But anyway, they wanted that book to be their representative book there at Pearl Harbor. So we did that and we printed it here and shipped it out to them. Um, and then for the 80th anniversary, Rock and I expanded it to a uh, a great big book. Uh, it's the most profusely illustrated. It's got tons of his artwork in it, but it's also got oh, what 400 pictures. Or, I don't forget how many pictures the thing has. Wow, a bunch. Uh, yeah. But it's the most profusely yeah. illustrated book ever out on Pearl So yeah, I like to do that and get away from it too. But, um, you know, the flagship of the, the series is still the Detail and Scale series. It sells the best. It's the most popular. So, uh, uh, but that's basically, you know, it just made it, it, it was almost like I didn't think it out. It just came together naturally. Wow. Yeah. And the one that you had mentioned about other than the, the adversary book that I have my, I think like one of my, the next books that I bought was that the, the desert storm book. And I think what I loved about it was just all the details on the weapons, like all the different yeah. types of weapons yeah. and which aircraft carry you know, and, do and all, all, that, all stuff. that stuff. Yeah. And then you, and then the really good modeler section in the back. And it's just, and again, it's just, it's just an awesome series. And, and uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I just don't know how, how, I don't know how to improve it. It's just because <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah, per, it's I, I just think it's perfect. You know, it's yeah. just the right amount. It's not, I have some books that I've paid two, $300 for the book. And they're beautiful and they are leather bound and they are just, they're, you know, limited edition and they have signatures and blah, blah, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's great. That's more like a, I mean, I have those and I cherish that's those, a collector but thing. it's yeah. a collector thing, yeah. but, um, and they're awesome, but I don't, when I need details, I go to the detail and scale series. That's, that's just, it's, it's what works because I don't have to flip through thousands and thousands even just how they're labeled like you've got fuselage checks and wings blah 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 blah, whatever exhaust and so it's just easy to i almost have like most of the books memorized like i know exactly where to flip through to find exactly what i need you know because if i want to see where the angle is of this particular antenna sitting underneath and i call myself i'm not an accuracy guy but if i want to <laughs> see exactly how the antenna is situated and you know, it's just i don't know that's what the books but, are for and they're just they're awesome man i just love them you know demo but that's really important. And we've got some other guys writing for us now. And um, 
Matter of fact, the F-14 book will be by Hagen, and we've got a couple of guys out there. And as you know, if you've been gotten the series all along, Don Lynn, Dana Bell, uh, Al Lloyd, uh, Dave Menard all wrote books uh, along the way for it. But keeping that format, and I keep telling these guys who write for you, you've got to stay in our format. And you just pointed out the exact reason why. Because it's you know exactly where to go to get what you're looking for. Uh, so you have to stay within that format. We want a little history in there to kick things off, and then we want to take a look at the variants of the aircraft and how they change from one variant to the next. And then we want to get, uh, if we have some room or some space to put a pilot's report in or, or a little bit more about the combat, that's fine. We'll do that. But it, it just depends on if the space is there. But then we get into the details. And like you said, the, the details always start out with the cockpit and then you kind of work your way down through the fuselage, the wings, the landing gear, the engine, the tail, and so forth. And, and then get the weapons in there as well. And then you wrap it up with the monitor section. And we, we have to stay with that format to make the series work. So it, it, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something we do try to emphasize and stay with it. I I I, w- I want to jump in real quick and, and touch back on the the reference pictures. Uh, and I know that Whitey and 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 Phil are sitting over chomping the bit to ask a question. I'm sorry, guys. Just one more thing I want to make a comment on. I remember it. I think Bert, we were at the uh, Virginia shootout up in Roanoke, and we were talking about you know uh, some wildcat pictures or something. And you had mentioned your photo library of just the reference pictures that you have. Can you talk just a little bit about the, 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 fo- the number of photos and the reference pictures that you actually have uh, in, in your, your library for lack of better terms here? Well, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I mean, totally lost count. <laughs> um, uh, of course, uh, one of the things I've always tried to do with the photos is if, uh, and not that many people go out and take pictures of details. I mean, I've been associated with and and have been assisted and helped by many, many great aviation photographers uh, over the decades, guys. Sure. David Brown and uh, Mike Grove and, of course, my good friend Ray Leader, who worked the Colored Marking Series with me. Uh, the guys like that, they all took general shots. So if I wanted the detail, if I wanted to cockpits and climb under and – that's a totally different kind of photography. A lot of those guys are great with their uh, general uh, photography. I mean, I couldn't shoot the air-to-air stuff or uh, ground-to-air flying stuff that uh, David um, uh, Brown does if I tried. I mean, he is so above my area in in doing that. But detail, shooting details is a completely different kind of photography that requires uh, being um, really – cognizant of depth of field because you're so close to stuff and you, you don't want something to be out of focus in the background and in focus in the front or vice versa. So I've taken hundreds and thousands of photographs over the years uh, myself, uh, all those photographers. And I mean, it's just dozens and dozens of them um, have contributed over the years. So that's built it up. Um, I've gotten very, very good cooperation in the old days anyway from the Grumman History Centers, the Boeing, um, of course, Al Lloyd was working up there, and so that helped. Um, uh, McDonnell Douglas, when they were in St. Louis, 
uh, all these people are giving it to me. So, you know, you've got all of that and guys just willing to donate stuff and, and uh, uh, help out in any way. Um, guys like Jim Roe Trammell, uh, when it comes to weapons, nobody knows them better than he does. Oh, Jim. Uh, yeah. Good old buddy Jim. Yeah, uh, he's been, you know, one of our major contributors for a long, long time. So, yeah, photos coming from them. Of course, now the digital age, it's uh, with digital photography, you can swap them around and everything. It's not like mailing slides like it used to be. But, I mean, the library is hundreds of thousands of photographs. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, that, that's amazing. In every, in every um, um, medium you want to talk about, black and white print, color print, big prints, little prints. Um, you know, Jim Sullivan is another guy who... Uh, he's written uh, uh, quite a few books. Uh, he did several, like he's known, he's Corsair Jim. He's a big guy on the Corsair, uh, the F4U type Corsair. Uh, wrote a, several books for in, uh, Squadron along the way. <clears throat> uh, all those guys. Uh, I took him out on the America. Um, uh, I've been to sea 14 different times on seven different aircraft carriers. And boy, what a great place to take photographs. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, they all pile up uh, and back. Back in the day when it was all filmed, you know, you'd go out there with, um, you know, bricks of 36 exposure slide film and just shoot through them like crazy. Uh, so, you know, it's it's all piled up. A lot of it is filed very well. A lot of it isn't. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's it, there are just uh, tons and tons of stuff there. I've got to start figuring out what I'm going to do with it. Uh, I'm not getting any younger. So, um, uh, and it needs to be... It needs to go somewhere where it can uh, continue to be used. Well, I let me. I'll jump in here. He, I've seen, I've seen the photo collection. <laughs> it, it's have. amazing. Here, um, give you an example, and and to to show you how organized this guy is. A few years ago, we said, well, let's let's do a World War II subject, and so we decided on the Dauntless. We'll do the SPD. Yep. And it's it's in our detailed scale series. It's it's number five. Sure. So I go over to, I go over to Bert's house. He gives me a bound notebook, this thick, of <laughs> thirty five millimeter slides, and he gives me a big Manila envelope, and it's got eight by ten glossies, five by seven glossies, some color, most black and white because of the subject. Uh, it's got the galley pages from the original SBD book back wow. then that was published back then. And then he gives me like a little shoe box. And in there are four by six photos of every detail of the airplane in, in multiple copies. And so that book only took us, it only took about three months to do because we weren't as busy then as we are now with multiple subjects right. going on, but it only took us three months to do. And I had to do some art. We put some art uh, profiles and stuff in the back, but it was almost an easy thing to do because he had all these tremendous resources right there at hand and well-organized. It, it, it was really amazing. So, when you guys decide to pick a subject, what do you guys do to like determine like what determines the next subject you want to do? <laughs> that, that that's an interesting question. It, it depends. Uh, for for many many years, uh, back when I was doing detail and scale and mainly earning my living uh, in the old days, um, of course, uh, as you probably know, I 
been associated um, as a contributor, not an employee, but as a contributor and still am to various model companies. Uh, and they would want research done on a certain model so they could create a model from it. And so I would uh, go get photographs or uh, do, do, a ref- uh, do trips for them and uh, supply them with the information they need. So uh, I had a very good working relationship with most of the major model companies and still do. Uh, matter of fact, I got a call uh, or an email uh, two days ago, and I'm starting to work uh, with a, a, a company whose name you would very well recognize on a brand new model as of two days ago. But um, anyway, so I was very, very much aware of new models that were coming out. So quite often when a new model was coming out, that I knew that would be particularly popular, then I would schedule a book with that if uh, if I didn't already have it. Um, so, and there there's some of that going on now as well. Um, so that's part of it. Um, another part of it is, and and this is more of the case now. It should be, or, or I, I wish it was a little bit more than it is. Even this is a book I want to do. <laughs> I just want to do that particular book. Um, and and I, I can give you one title of one that I've wanted to do a long, long time, and I just never can seem to get to it. But quite often, uh, it's a book I want to do or something I just find very, very interesting. Like the Fury, the two parts we did on the Fury, the FJ Fury. Uh, I mean, that's such a fascinating airplane. And it just in one case, how it evolved through three major redesigns shows how naval aviation developed for many, many years. Uh, and, you know, I, it's just something I have a real interest in doing. And then also you, we try to pick books um, that we think will be really, really popular. Uh, I mean, uh, for, uh, particularly with um, most of you know, the modelers age groups that we have, uh, the biggest sellers are still some of the, uh, you know, like the F-8 Crusader. Of course, you're always going to sell well with a Tomcat. You're also going to sell well if you do a Phantom or something like that. But any of this entry series and uh, just about Navy outsells everywhere. If you any given Navy plane is going to outsell just about any you know, <laughs> uh, any It's given just the way it plane. is. And and, and 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 there's a number of reasons for it. I mean, you know, the the uh, particularly the carrier based planes and the, the the mystique they have and whatever. And, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But um, so it, it's a mixed bag now. It, it's a, what, what do we want to do? What would be a, a popular one to do? And, oh, there is this kit coming out and let's do a well, let's do a book on that. Uh, so it, it's that sort of thing. Nothing is well, in stone. Well, I know there's one one airplane that would love to be covered and there's really nothing out there on it. And that's the mighty Orion. We need a good oh. book on the mighty Orion. No, you're not. Hey, I got hey, the reference photos. We, between <laughs> between Whitey and I, we can. Uh, <laughs> we got some photos. Well, right. uh, believe it or not, uh, of all the different aircraft I have, and we talked about uh, uh, my collection now and photographs. Uh, uh, the most extensively covered aircraft of all, the Orion would be in the top three. Because really? yeah, wow. yeah. Well, see, my son flew. Around. He was, a, yeah. he was an Orion pilot and uh, flew uh, flew them in uh, Iraqi Freedom, and I could go up a Woodley Island, and I I got 
inside and out and go anywhere I want and get anything I wanted. And matter of fact, he even worked it out where I went over to the E3 guys. Uh, and that was not too uh, long after the one, you know, that China brought down and, and uh, they had to land it and uh, barely made it in and saved lives and all the news. I mean, that was right when he was there. So I went up and uh, they let me go through an airplane and photograph every bit of it. Of course, it was all powered off, but still, uh, you know, went from the cockpit all the way back to the laboratory in the back, shot everything in. So I I could do the Orion. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we would sell that many, but um, <laughs> to me, that doesn't matter that much anymore. But um, on the other part of the doing Orion, though, Everything I have is pretty much C's uh, and the late C's, uh, mm-hmm. the ones that he was using. They used in Iraqi Freedom with all the extra equipment on it. Um, I'm not that familiar with, um, I'd have to do a lot of studying and research to get go back to the A's. I mean, I have pictures of them. I even have pictures of the National Oceanographic, the Naval Oceanographic uh, birds uh, that came through, you know, Roadrunner and those guys. I've got all of that, but uh, I don't know. Um, we need a uh, kit. We need a new kit is what we need. I'd love to do another one example. I'd, I'd love to do the F-11 F Tiger. Um, well, I mean, a, uh, that would be, but I'll tell you what, if somebody comes out with a 48th kit, 48 scale kit of a tiger, I'll jump all over that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, going back to, um, missing. Books you've done for the model companies, uh, particularly the Ravel books that you've done, you talked about. Um, my, yep. One of my favorites is the Blue Angels book. Got it sitting right there on the shelf. Um, it, it's a good book. You know, w- without Ravel uh, prompting you, would you ever consider doing, or, or if, if they did prompt you even, or anyone else, uh, one similar uh, series uh, on the Thunderbirds, a, a similar book? Yeah, it could be done. You got to watch the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels. For, uh, and and I, this is something I cannot quite figure out, but it's part of the world we live in today. Uh, I had thought about taking, say, the Blue Angels book and expanding it in, you know, to about three times the size it is and and redoing that. But they have, uh, even though it's military and U.S. government and all that, they have gotten really tight with their copyright stuff and what they'll let you have and what they'll let you do. They absolutely uh, have. And yep. uh, the Thunderbirds the same way. I mean, you use their logo in something the wrong way, you can get yourself in, in, into the copyright issues. Yeah. Uh, whereas, and, and, and that kind of an issue also exists more and more now, uh, with the Navy uh, and uh, the Air Force, when you go to them to uh, work some time and get photographs, depending on who you talk to and where you go. And I've even been to the uh, the top lawyer in the Pentagon for the Navy fighting this um, uh, back in the day. Uh, I don't know, for some reason, about right about the turn of the century, right around 2000, all of a sudden, everybody who's anybody um, with uh, producing real aircraft just decided that they they were going to be very tight with their copyrights. Well, uh, Boeing, I had to have a fight with them, and they said, well, you can't put Flying Fortress on, on, yeah. on one of your books. I said, well, yes, I can. You didn't come up with Flying Fortress. Flying Fortress was not Boeing's now. Now, if I use the Boeing logo, I can understand it. 
And B-17 is a military destination. Your designation, uh, your model bomber destination is different. It's yeah. the military, and anything in the military is public domain. So uh, I've, uh, I was going to go out and do, when I did my Super Hornet book, the first Super Hornet book, not the one Hagen and I did a couple years ago, but uh, the, the one I did in uh, 2003 uh, was the last one I did before the heart issues came along. And I went out to Lemoore and shot all those pictures and, 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 and so forth. And McDonnell Douglas was very good about it. But then I needed, uh, they, that was just, you know, a couple of years after McDonnell Douglas still existed then they still had a public affairs office in, in uh, St. Louis. <clears throat> but then I started having to deal with Boeing as uh, time was going on. And Boeing didn't want to, you know, well, we copyright Super Hornet. Well, uh, they they just uh, it was really really difficult to deal with, and it, it just it it went from when I first started, like going to Grumman. I went to Bethpage quite a few times and worked with Grumman. They couldn't have been more accommodating, and McDonnell Douglas couldn't be more accommodating. Uh, Rockwell International, whoever, and then it went to the other extreme. Um, uh, and now uh, to go work with the manufacturers, it's a pain in the neck. Yep. Let me, uh, if you don't mind me jumping here for a second, I want to uh, go back to the, uh, the publications and the modelers section that Bert was talking about earlier. And, uh, you know, going past just the publications on the modelers sections and, uh, Rock had mentioned Hagen earlier, you know, on your website and on Facebook and your groups, you know, you have Hagen doing your uh, your product reviews for the modelers and stuff, and and I mean that's huge too. Uh, can we can we kind of talk a little bit about moving more towards the modelers and and the kits and the aftermarket and all of that jazz it i mean that's huge when it comes to helping the modelers out there when when they're trying to decide on what to buy do i get edgeward or do i get uh you know res kit or you know is this kit better than that kit that information you guys are putting out there is huge how how did that come about well you got to give that credit to hagen uh he came up to me and he said uh th- this was at now, I can't remember which one it was now, but several years ago at one of the national conventions, the IPMS national conventions, and he said he'd been reading the book since he was a kid and, and, and had, had detailed and scale and stuff and, you know, <clears throat> nice to meet you type of stuff and got talking about it. And he said he'd like to start doing stuff like that. And he even came up with the, the name News and uh, Reviews, uh, Scale Modeling News and Reviews Editor. And so... Okay, that sounded good, and um, so you know it was really his idea. And then having the website uh, created uh, and a place to put these things, and, and then of course share them in the um, scale uh, <clears throat> aircraft modeling, the detail and scale Facebook page. Um, that page, uh, of course, we can put them in there for immediate test, but then they're stored into permanent. Uh, position or permanent place on in the modeling section of our website uh, www.detailandscale.com and yeah uh, he he has been doing that now Hagen has had a lot of issues uh, to deal with uh, personal issues to deal with the last couple of years and things kind of slowed down a little bit uh, 
He's been busy taking care of uh, a lot of stuff uh, re- regarding his family and, and other things. Uh, <clears throat> hopefully, be getting out of that. I mean, he still has uh, some things on his plates to take care of, but um, we get back to doing more of those and putting them in there. And then, of course, um, is to help with uh, uh, bring the interest to the scale modeler, give them good information. Uh, things of interest, uh, Vince Minkowski came, came in, came along, and I, I was very impressed with Vince's um, enthusiasm about things and asked him, Rock and I went and met with him uh, back in 2020, uh, early 2020, uh, <clears throat> just before the pandemic started to knock everything out, uh, to, to bring him on board and to start talking to stuff too. Uh, and and letting you know what was going on. So uh, those two guys uh, in, in particular have helped out a lot. But when it comes to the reviews, yeah, that's the beauty of uh, having a, the Facebook. We have, of course, a Facebook reference page, and then we have the Facebook group, the Scale Modeling Group. And, uh, you know, that's where Hagen has really been able to uh, uh, do a great job there um, and hopefully uh, can get back to doing even more of it uh, once uh, – uh, things settle down a little bit for him uh, in his uh, personal life. So, uh, but yeah, that uh, he, 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 there are uh, quite a bit of reviews there on the website that people can go check and see if uh, uh, what's there and uh, find out about uh, uh, different products. Uh, do a lot of aftermarket uh, aftermodel uh, excuse aftermarket products there uh, to, to enhance your models and, and make them better. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I give all uh, uh, to answer that question. Though, the credit goes to Hagen. Yep. Yeah, I know Hagen's a busy, busy guy, especially in his professional life and his, his personal life. And oh yeah, he's got a real know, job uh, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> look, look, my wife is an archaeologist as well, so I, I understand where how busy he is, especially with all his. Uh, uh, his work in academia and so on and so forth. But uh, the the stuff he does out there with the aftermarket reviews is just, I mean, that's, that's liquid gold when it comes to modelers, man, <laughs> and really steering them down the right, the right path when it comes to buying the good stuff versus the okay stuff to the, eh, maybe not stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and he's honest about everything that he does. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. uh, Darren, the, the the key there is uh, whether it's stuff like he's doing there or the reviews you find in the back of the Detail and Scale series book. Yeah. The, the the main emphasis there is to keep them objective, right, wrong, yes, no, whatever. Keep it keep it objective, and that's for one thing it, it, that benefits the reader, the monitor the most, but. At the same time, it also keeps us out of trouble. Um, yeah. Because I remember in more than one case, but one one thing comes to mind uh, right now, I, uh, I won't give the name of it, but one of the model companies, uh, and the president of the model company, uh, we were going to uh, back then to uh, uh, what was called a HIA show, HIA, Hobby Industry of America. And uh, I, I was, we knew each other and we, I started chatting with him and I said, well, you know that model you, you all came out with last year, and I, I said I reviewed it in the book and didn't give you a very good review. So I'm glad you're not strangling me right now. And he said, "Why should I? What you said was facts. It was objective." He said, yeah. it, 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 "I can't argue with it." So uh, that's the way to do it. Uh, uh, 
I mean, there's many, many different ways to review whether, and it's what I told Hagen as we got going with this, uh, and he wanted to do uh, the reviews. I said, right, you got to keep it objective and, yep. and right and wrong. It, it And you, you, you can do reviews like, you see the guys who write the reviews. I did this. I use this color. I use this paint. I did this. I did sure. That. That's not a review. That's how I built a model. Right. Then, then, then you can review it from uh, various points of view. But you basically keep it. Here's how it is detailed. Here's how its accuracies. It's got a mistake here. Uh, it's got a mistake there. But it does very, very well here. The fit is excellent, uh, or whatever. It is or it isn't, and that way you stay out of trouble. And and Hagen has followed that very very well. Yeah, no, I I, I concur a hundred percent. You know, I having uh, my YouTube channel, the Carpel Scale Modeler. I I do some reviews out there, and look, you know, it, it's about being honest but being tactful, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to bash somebody or a company. You want to be honest, but you 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 don't want to be ugly either. You know, yeah, we, I mean, you know, I've been working on this SC27 for, I mean, over a year, year and a half now. And it's not, it's not, it's not finished because it's not an easy kit to build and there's a lot of goops in it. And so when, when I talk about it, I try not to shit real hard. There's some guys out there that they really dump on companies and I try to just kind of tell it how it is like. There's no axles on the main gear or the fit here is poor or the fit here is really good or the, the details here are good or, or I try to be or as objective as I can, detail, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, some folks just tend to take a giant dump on, you know, uh, companies and I, I just don't I really I try not to do that. I, I don't think I just think it's in better taste to just be objective I mean, it is it, it, be factual, right? The facts, ma'am, just the facts, and then then you're covered. You know, try to keep emotion and um, subjectivity out of it, which some well, folks that's hard to do. That's exactly right, Nemo. And and you have seen cases, and, and Facebook is bad. It's social media, it, it's just bad about this. But I mean, there were even it, it was even a, a a page or a group, I guess, created just to bash every Kitty Hawk kit that came out. And, you know, they started jumping into Kitty Hawk. And I don't care what Kitty Hawk would have put out and whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, they were going to just bash the heck out of it. And sometimes what they were saying was legitimate, but it was was like what Darren was saying. You know, it was just ugliness. And um, one of those individuals came on our uh, site uh, or our, our group and started acting that way. I had kick, it, fortunately, I, I've not had to kick off very many people, but that was one <laughs> of them. And I mean, because, you know, I don't mind somebody coming on and saying, well, I built this kit. I don't care who it was from. And I had real problems with this and whatever. Uh, and um, uh, okay, fine. But yeah, I, Darren's yeah. absolutely right there. Uh, and, and to come out just that I'm going to, come after this company or whatever uh yeah just to be nasty that you to me you lose your credibility instantly doing that you absolutely yep well i just hope that when trumpeter re-releases some of these kitty hawk uh kits that they change their they put some quality control into the instructions because that's one of the big things with their kits is 
the instructions. You have to decipher a lot of stuff that, you know, just, you know, the average guy getting into or gal getting into model building, you grab one of these kitty hawk kits. You're probably not going to have a very good success rate with it as someone who has been around a while builds one because you've got to loot. Like I've got the, uh, the Russian tow tractor trucks, the URL a three twenties and the instructions are painful and sitting there having to decipher it. I'm not an ar- a armor or a truck guy. And so I've been doing a lot of looking on prime portal and everything, trying to get detailed shots of how it's actually supposed to go. And I just hope that they get some quality control at their instructions. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the, how those kits come forward. Yeah, detail and scale had a, a really interesting uh, situation with Kitty Hawk because they came, that was one of the companies, of course, came to ask us for to to supply a lot of research information because they thought uh, that our name would give credibility to the product, and they asked permission to start putting research materials by detail and scale on on the box art. Well. One of their particular kits that we supplied it for, they didn't follow it very well. And the kit got torn to pieces. And then people were saying, well, detail and scale must not have given them bad. No, we gave them good information. It just they didn't follow it very well. And and that happened time and time again. So finally, I said, you no longer have permission to do that. The other issue was that they were putting research materials by detail and scale on models that I didn't even know they were working on. We'd never given them one single photograph, one single comment about it. I didn't, you know, the kid comes out. I, I didn't know they were doing that particular kit. Uh, it was not one I could have helped them with anyway, and they were doing that. So they had issues over there uh, with doing that and not keeping track of what was going on. And also myself and I, a couple other people I know that contributed to their kids. Uh, kind of got lost their patience uh, because they weren't following what we were giving them. And uh, I told them, I said, I'm always willing to help, but you're not going to put my name on it anymore or the company name on it anymore. Um, but, um, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's a sad thing because I think they could have done a much better job than they did. Uh, and they did some subjects that were, were nice to have, but, you know, that just the way the way it happens sometimes. I, I I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Frost. I was just going. Well, thanks. I was just going to say their H60 family that they did right before they just you know they went under was phenomenal. I mean, it was oh, great yeah. to have them, the whole Ooh. family. They you know the blood, the new Blackhawks, and all the 60s of the Navy flies. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And hopefully right. they they come back out. For the listeners out there, I'm still looking for a Romeo. A Kitty Hawk Romeo, so it hit, 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 hit me up. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was a shameless plug to, to the masses out there. So I, I want to touch real quick, Bert, on that, that Kitty Hawk uh, research material uh, done by Detail and Scale comments you made, because I, uh, I'm i in the process of building an F-86 right now, and I open it up. Here's, here's this monogram, you know, Ravel monogram F-86. And it's got research done by Burt Kinsey. It's got your black and white <laughs> pictures in there and all that jazz. And I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I know that guy. 
How 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 did that come about? If if uh, we go back in the wayback machine for just a second, how'd that come about? Man? Well, you know, Detail and Scale, the company Detail and Scale, did, did a lot of stuff other than just the series. At one time, we were producing decals. Uh, we did a bunch of other stuff. One of the other things we did, uh, 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 not just researching uh, for uh, the development of a of a new kit coming out, but when Vell Monogram uh, decided they wanted to do the Pro Modeler series. They wanted to take kits to a next higher level to uh, provide extra uh, information, extra parts. Uh, usually, they would change something within the uh, an existing kit and, and put it in the Pro Modeler series. And they asked me to do all the instruction sheets uh, uh, and then add my pictures in there. They they told me they had to be black and white because that's what they were going to print them with back then. But right, right. Uh, at any rate, um, so um, it started doing that. And uh, the in case of the you talk about the F eighty six D, Darren. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the, in the case of that one, uh, not only did I do the the instruction sheets and uh, what you're seeing there, and I also did the research for that one. Uh, I flew up to, I had it worked out with the uh, Air Force Museum. And back then, the Air Force Museum, anytime I wanted to uh, do one of their airplanes, I would go up to Dayton and they would open the museum. Uh, well, not open it to the public, but open. The, uh, they'd get somebody there an hour ahead of time, turn on all the lights. And then with nobody around, they'd let me photograph the airplanes. And, and so I had done Dennis the Menace up there, which is their F-86D, and, and photograph. I don't know, probably took 200 pictures of it and I had a um, uh, one of those folding um, uh, carpenters rules that you, you see that, that unfold the wooden ones, and I it was white. And I painted every other inch red so that we could put that up and put into the picture, and that would show the uh, size and dimensions of different features on the airplane, so that the uh, people who created the tools would have all the right measurements. And so we went up there, and that we did that, and then. While they were developing the kit, they, they um, had me uh, do the instructions. Um, uh, they, they provided certain things, basics of the instruction, and I took it from there and moved stuff around and put pictures in and then made comments about the best way to build it and assemble it rather than, you know, like most instructions, even the better instructions, they just take you through a sequence of things. Well, I said it's best to paint this first or do this for, you know, for using my own modeler's experience. Uh, and uh, so they liked that. Uh, and we did quite a few. Uh, I did some some uh, planes I wasn't all that familiar with. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I know what a JU-52 is, but when I was doing that instruction sheet, I had to educate myself a little bit. Um, you know, so I think that goes back, though, to um, uh, a, re- a review of one of the... F- uh, early detail and scale books came out and said the, that the guy said, what I really like about the detail and scale series of books is that they are written by a guy who is a modeler. So he is putting stuff in there that what we would, he knows that we would want to know and what we would want to see. So the picture selection and taking the pictures, putting them in, and then what is said about them, uh, he said, it's, uh, it's good because most books are written by guys who are not models, uh, aviation books. And so uh, that just carried forward to to doing that pro modeler series with uh, Ravel 
monogram. Ed Sexton had a lot to do that. He worked with me an awful lot. That was one of the things he did. It was the books and kits idea was one of his. He told me uh, not too long ago that he thought that was the best thing he ever did at Ravel Monogram. I, I sure had fun doing it. Um, the, the beauty about that is, is I would do the book and it was a flat fee that I got, you know, I charged them for doing it. So I didn't have to wait for royalties or anything. The check shows a check to start and check at the end. So, uh, that was kind of fun. Very cool. Very nice. So we, we have a, another good friend, mutual good friend of ours, Jeff Martin over at, um, Furball Aero Design. Oh yeah. So, uh, So can you guys elaborate a little bit on how you guys come to be and like how you guys manage to team up? Uh, Credit Jim Rotremel with that. He got the two of us uh, together. I, uh, like I said, I had done decals before. Of course, that had to, that came to an end, but uh, well, the whole detail and scale came to an end for about a decade there. But uh, I wanted to start doing decals again, but that we had input in, but that we didn't produce ourselves. Like, I did in, in the old days. Uh, back in the old days, I had Lloyd Jones um, of Scale Master do the art uh, for them. He had previously worked with Microscale and then started his own company, Scale Master, and I have him do the artwork uh, for my research. <clears throat> and we were the first, Detail and Scale was the first ever to put really extensive coverage in the instruction sheets. So, uh, you know, I would actually, like when I did the SU-22 uh Killers uh, for the F-14s. I actually had pictures that Larry Musinski had sent, sent me. Uh, I always did uh, uh, models uh, uh, and markings of airplanes I actually had pictures of. And they, just like the pro modeler, we put those in the instruction sheet. Well, I couldn't do that anymore, but I wanted to take uh, and have what we were doing, particularly in the colors and markings books, uh, to, it'd be nice if, okay, here's the, the color markings books have all these pictures of the real airplanes. Why don't we do decal sheets where the guy can buy the book, see the real airplane, and also be able to uh, build a model of it and have good, accurate, quality printed decals. And, uh, you know, Furball has a great reputation. Jeff's a great guy, a good guy to work with. They're, the decals themselves are printed by cardiographs so over in Italy uh, and cartograph, you, you know, they they're just top of the line. And so we started working together doing that um, uh, with several of the colored markings and detail and scale books, both. Um, we did uh, demons, cougars, um, banshees. Uh, we did uh, uh, hellcats and wildcats and, and so forth. And uh, coming out now with F-105s, uh, we did. That one is kind of interesting because uh, I told Jeff, I said, I want you to do this one before the book comes out because I want to build a model of one that we don't have decals for, but it's a very, very good friend of mine. He has 100 combat missions and thugs in um, um, Vietnam. He flew for SAC, then he flew in uh, attack with thugs, and then I met him when he was flying F-106s. He was later one of the hostages in Iran for 444 days. Good friend of mine. I'm still in contact with him, and I wanted his airplane on that sheet. So that's why that sheet is out already, and the F-105 book won't be coming out till the fall. But um, anyway, uh, and you'll see, you'll, you'll notice that if you have that 105 sheet or you, you've seen it, it's a beautiful sheet. Uh, it says Part One, so there'll be more to come from that. But um, 
anyway, uh, we just got together on it, and uh, I've been real happy with it, uh, and I know Rock has too. Uh, we work together. We supply him the information um, for most of the mar- uh, markings. Uh, he can pick a few of. He can pick some on, on his own if he wants to, and in return, he actually had, uh, from his collection has been able to give us some stuff. So it's been mutually beneficial there. And, and well, boy, does he does he do Tomcat sheets? Holy he, cow! He, he does, oh. and, and and to have four sheets. He he's good at those too. The next time you talk to him, could you uh, mention adversary sheets? Oh, yes. Oh no! He, hold on. So, was that my out loud voice? Sorry, he, he, was. he says oh, he's like, oh, they're not going to sell, and I'm just like. What? Yeah, oh, yes, they would. And he's like, no, no, maybe, they won't. Maybe, maybe an adversary it, sheet I'm with a you, release of that. You know why? Book. You know what's hard, yes. why they don't do adversary sheets? There is a reason. Because in most cases, you don't know what the camouflage scheme is on top of that airplane. Well, that's true. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, right. there, that's it. True. Yeah. 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 But yeah. maybe a re-release of the uh, adversary sheet and the adversary I, book. I, I, I think we could, we could. From other decal marking books and whatnot and pictures I have and Gabe had, we could figure it out. We could if figure you can it out. Come up can. With, if you can come up with a reference material, I'm sure we you know, could be done. Back when I did my F5 book and I actually went out and flew with the uh, Air Force aggressors uh, at Nellis, I got to fly a red flag mission and fly an F5. They gave me all of their paint schemes. So I had schematics cool. that. So the F5, of course, that's back in the 1980s, but yeah, uh, you know, they. Uh, I had that, but uh, there are a whole lot of A fours that I would love to do, and I, you know, get Darren's interest here. But uh, yeah, A fours I love to do, but I don't know what the what what the scheme looks like on top of the airplane. Uh, I think Scott's got some information on that. Yeah, we can well, figure uh, it out. <laughs> I don't have that, but if you got it, I mean, we can put it yeah. together. I think I would love to provide some color profiles for a book like that. I think cool. we can help you out, Rock. All right. <laughs> I'm smelling so. something good. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. That's another good thing. You just showed, held that instruction shoot up, Frildo, uh, in the back of the ad. He always, he, yep, he always lets us put in there, you know, our current book catalog or those books that are associated with the with the scheme. Yep. yep. Jeff's really, the best, yep. man. He's it. it we love him. It. Yep. It's a good it's a good partnership. Yep. That's so awesome. Bert, what what jet was that that you were talking about? Uh the the one in question is my good friend and uh his, his name is Dave Rader, R O E D R. If you look down, it's I think he's got it uh it's down to the bottom of one of the pages. It's JV uh, the name of the airplane is The Impossible Dream. Now he gave the decal there uh of the marking uh, the nose art, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of a cloud configuration with the impossible dream written on it. And uh, he put it on there twice, but there was another, yeah, that's it. And uh, uh, he put, uh, put it on there twice because there was a second uh, F-105 named the impossible dream. And he found a picture of it and it it was on both sides, but on Dave Raider's plane, it was only on the one side. Uh, that plane was uh, okay. another one that was later lost. Uh, fortunately, not when Dave was flying it. Dave was a remarkable guy because he flew um, B fifty two missions in Vietnam and then uh, uh, moved from SAC to TAC. Flew a hundred missions there. He, uh, he knew Pete Foley as well. Pete Foley was a good friend of mine. At uh, I knew Pete Foley. For those of you who may not know, Pete Foley is one of three 
uh, Thud pilots that actually got 200 missions. And, uh, well, Reiter actually got 198, I think, when, when he got killed. But uh, P. Foley was just, uh, he and I were very good friends at, at Fort Bliss. And he told, you know, told me all about his 200 missions in, in Vietnam. And, um, but Dave Rader, like I say, he went from B-52s in SAC to uh, F-105s in TAC. And then when I met him, uh, he was flying F-106s with the uh, 48th FIS um, uh, doing, uh, they, uh, after we had uh, that MiG. And I was there at the time in the Army when that MiG landed and pulled up and parked next to Air Force One when Nixon was down there at Key West. And anyway, uh, you know, uh, the, the 48th started putting a detachment at Homestead. Uh, the 319th with 104A's uh, had been there, but uh, they decided they wanted to have 106's down there. So they had one of the flights of uh, the 48th rotating down there all the time. And that's when I met uh, Dave and we got to be really, really good friends and then later, uh, after he made Colonel, he uh, well, the way we got to be friends is he had a factory model of this uh, of the F one hundred five, and he he said, "Can you make this look like the impossible dream?" And I painted it and and gave it to him, and that was nineteen seventy two. And he sent me a picture of it last year, and it's still in perfect condition. As a matter of fact, uh, when they moved uh, from Langley to Washington, he went to the Pentagon. After that, he had his wife carry it in the car in her lap until I got there. <laughs> and he still has that. Uh, but, you know, Dave's just a great guy. And uh, uh, so that's how we got to be friends. And uh, like I say, he, he later he was uh, one of the hostages in Iran. And we didn't know if he was going to make it back or not, but he did, of course, uh, along with all the rest of them. So great news. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be building uh, the uh, Hobby Boss 48 scale and using those uh, markings you just held up there. But you, you can see on that sheet, there's some really good looking schemes there. Um, and uh, I, I hope that uh, we can do it where one of the follow on sheets will actually have uh, some of the silver lacquer birds. And, uh, you know, one of the things about thuds is there were so many updates to them. And it always amuses me when I see somebody build an early one with silver, you know, the, either the natural metal or the silver dope or silver paint, but they have all the Vietnam mods on the kit, you know, the uh, perforated um, uh, uh, gun gas vents, the ECM antennas, the uh, uh, air, uh, the afterburner cooling intakes. Uh, none of those were on the silver, the silver thuds. So, uh, yeah, we'll be covering all of that in the book and uh, we're going to go through, uh, there's a section in it, uh, in the variance chapter on the wild weasels that will take you through how the wild weasels came about. Uh, and it wasn't, people think, okay, F-105, F wild weasel, no fairings on the fuselage, F-105G mm. fairings, wrong. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. generally true, but not, the, the F-105, there, it wasn't like there was an F-105, F wild weasel and F-105G. They were constantly changing those planes all yeah. the way through. And that's all going to be covered right down with pictures of the little dipole antennas they put on those things. I'll get the Shrike right too, man. You know, there's so many companies out there that are that that's a Shrike. No, it's a harm. No, that's a you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, and what what weapons were and were not carried? Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it it's it, it's it's we got all of that covered pretty well. Um, uh, so I, I I'm, I'm 
I'm really thrilled about how this book's going. Uh, I'm, I can't wait to get into doing that one, but we're, we're of course, working on the F-14 right now. Let, let, let me take a, a 180 real quick. Helicopters. There's, there's, there's so many. I mean, there's no, I mean, come on, man. I mean, I'm, I, I love, I, I'm in my first command was H3. That was for Whitey. Whirly birds. <laughs> I mean, I know. 53 is awesome, no, man. I got to take you no, for a ride no, in that thing. It's no fun. Di- no disrespect here, uh, Nemo, but I know they say, you know, egg beaters and whatever, but there's so many cool, you know, uh, helicopter schemes out there from uh the army uh with the the cavalry going into vietnam to uh the navy the marine schemes man marine stuff is awesome some of the high vis navy stuff's cool too is there is there a a reason why it's been you know the focus on air force and navy uh jet schemes and not hell i mean that that's a huge genre out there uh yeah just curious yes there and there is a reason yeah. Oh, you want to know okay. what it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if- no, no, uh, no. I, I, I don't know. I'd be perfectly honest with you. Uh, uh, I mean, I love helicopters. Uh, I flew in them a lot in the army. I love doing it. Um, uh, the very best of all the tens and thousands of pictures I've ever taken. My very favorite picture uh, I took out of the helicopter, flying on its side with me hanging out the door. With a gunner strap on, and looking straight down at the forest off from twelve hundred feet, uh, you know. I, and so I've flown quite a few helicopters. I find them very interesting, uh, and I have photographed some of them. But the fact of the matter is, I do not have expertise on it. I, if we were to do a helicopter, it would require somebody who has true expertise. I, when I any of the books I've done, sure I do research uh, and I go in and I try to learn all I can. And I usually, one of the neat things to me about doing the books is I always learn new things about whatever aircraft, no matter how knowledgeable I thought I was on it to start with. But right. I just, you know, when you get into helicopters and all the different versions of them, yeah, look at the H six. Oh, you there just are mentioned the H6. Yeah, and to keep track of that, yeah, uh, and and to get it all right, um, I would have to work myself silly to do that i mean i i'm so i'm new to the uh h60 world scott's been around that for a long time but i got pointed out today the difference between the roaming i had a guy today say oh that's the wrong picture and i went what he goes oh the tail wheel a sierra has it on the tail and a romeo has it just you know behind the uh, crew compartment i went what the I would have never known that. They, <laughs> you know, there's how so they even many hire little, you. I, well, you know, that's like common knowledge, man. I'm a I'm a logistician, damn it. <laughs> well, do some more of that loggy crap, and now you're a helicopter guy, yeah, and well, you got to learn your different variants. A, a, a platform's a platform. Logistics is logistics. So even Stevie Wonder knew that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ouch! Uh, that ain't don't. I'm bleeding down my nose right now. Well, you know, Bert just mentioned how he learns something when he researches a book. In most case, in a lot of cases, some of the books we've done, I'm a complete blank page when he starts sending content over, you know? So as the layout guy, you know, I got to read everything five times and, 
and try to figure out where how we're going to portray some of that stuff. And it's amazing how much I learn in yeah. that whatever month period it is from from the first. He'll send me over a folder, and it'll have um, a Word document for the text and a Word document for the captions, and then a folder of photos for what whatever chapter he's going to start with. And sometimes I'm, you know, there's stuff in there that I've never heard of before, but it's just such a great learning experience, you know, for an old guy to keep learning new tricks. Well, and, and a buff guy. And a buff guy. Yeah. So I got that going for (laughs) me. I I didn't, you know, I had a window at my crew position, but they painted (laughs) over it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what version of the uh, B-52 did you operate on? I I have I have uh, about eighteen hundred hours in the D model. I did okay. I did my my combat crew checkout in the in the F model, tall tail with the white belly and and Vietnam camouflage. And uh, and then I have a G model sortie from when I was the harpoon guy at SAC. Whoa. And we fired we fired a, that was our oh, for our third guy. third harpoon shot. Where, where we had to, I had to pray. I didn't have enough money in the budget. The, the ship started, we hit it at the waterline and they were towing it back to port. And I was just praying it would get back because I didn't have the money to pay for a new ship. You know, the one thing that, that always freaked me out about the buff was when it takes off the twist and the stress marks in the, the airframe. I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God, man. I mean, yep. they looks like just go, it's just going to snap in half. It just looked like, it looks like a wrinkled old man. Even and when it, it was news like that, though, it really that'd be a cool book because it just would? different the nose arts and everything yeah. that have been on B fifty twos over over the years, and I think it's going like what sixty years now flying. Well, the the I, H models now are are like sixty one, sixty two airplanes. The D's I flew were all contracted for in fifty five and fifty six. I had a co pilot uh, on my crew whose dad had flown the B fifty two. Yeah. So I got my my best friend and probably my we're, we're closer than family. His uh, brother in law or his son in law flies out of uh, uh, Louisiana, Bossier City. Yep, Bossier City, and he's an what Ewo? I guess you call him in the back. Yep, the, e- uh, like, yep. yep, Ewo. We call uh, we just shorten it to E Dub. Yeah, yep, so major and uh, you know we got to anyway a little research. I went back to Desert Storm and started looking. Those guys flew from Bossier City. Yeah. 35 hours, man. Yep. The first sorties over Desert Storm. And they left Bossier City when everything else, I, I mean, I was in the Red Sea. So we launched at like 1 o'clock in the morning. The B-52s were already in the air from Bossier <laughs> City. And we were going in. We were punching holes in their air defenses. And those guys flew in, did what they had to do, and then flew back to Louisiana. That's right. Now you want to talk about showing the reach? Well, the you know has. that that was at a time when when our slogan was "Global Reach, Global Power." Oh, there's and no place exactly on, the, it was. on the planet you couldn't hit. No, yep. you know B twos do a lot of that too, flying flying out of Missouri. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, they same thing they did in Afghanistan and Iraq. They would take off out of Barksdale and. Go yep. do their sortie and come yep. back. Yep. yep. Man, my I can't long, imagine that. My uh, longest absolutely... sortie. My longest sortie was sixteen and a half hours from Carswell, Fort Worth to Anderson, Guam. 
I and talked I, about a 14 hour flight to, to, to Korea and, and I had two engineers over here going, well, that's just a loiter. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and Nemo's fix talk about helos. These guys are 53s. Yeah, man. I got about a three hour ass. That's about all I got. I, <laughs> I can't, I can't sit in that seat and I, and it's comfy. 53 is comfortable. <laughs> The the Romeo seats are actually pretty decent too on the sixty. The Sierra seats are they're they suck. They're they're uncomfortable. But fifty three is not too bad. I mean we can we can go like five hours or whatever, but um max max a little bit. Um yeah, man, I can't sit in that seat for that long. Man, I gotta get up, go stretch and get something to eat and you know. God man, I ugh, that's I, I hear those hours and I'm just like my my back just starts hurting just you guys talking about it. My uh my longest flight in a P three is twelve point four hours. And that was back when my squadron had just gotten out to Okinawa for deployment. And we were a split site between Okinawa and Masawa. And it was right right after Christmas two thousand four when the tsunami hit Indonesia. Yeah. I wasn't on the ready, so they launched the ready out and I was in the gym and my other FE came up and was like, Hey man, you need to go back to your room. You need to pack a bag for at least a week because we're going to Thailand. And so we left out the next morning and it's been three weeks in Thailand, liaising, you know, working with the, uh, the coast guard, the Taiwanese coast guard or, or not Taiwanese, but Naval forces and our Navy. And we would fly around and the bodies that were floating in the water, we would mark on top and we would relay that down to a surface ship and the surface ship would go over and gather everything up. Yeah. And we shut down. We almost said, I've never done two engine loiter. We had one crew. We were on deployment in El Sal. They got to go to two engine loiter. And that was the only time it had ever been done in a long time. And I was just bummed because we couldn't do it. And if we would have gone, if we would have shut number four down, we probably could have been out there even longer. Mm. But on a P3, you know, I can get out of the seat. I can stretch my legs. I can walk to the back. I can throw a hot pocket or a can of soup in the oven, grab a cold drink, <laughs> go take a whiz, and then, you know, yeah, screw around for a little bit and walk back up front and get back in the seat. Kind of hard doing the buff, isn't it? Space is limited. Yeah, in the, in the B-52, the only place you could stand up to your full <laughs> height was at the ladder between decks. Yeah. Everywhere wow. else you had to crouch. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I got that See, new model collect kit. I'm looking forward to building that one. I'm going to do a G model out of Loring with it. Uh, and I'm just on the fence about it. Do I want to do a Gulf War one or a, I've always liked that PSYOP scheme from the eighties. That's really yeah. cool. You know, Kentucky Dave down at, uh, Oh, yeah, the Mojo, Mojo, Mojo yep. guy. He's been working on a 144th H yes. model that he talks really glowing words about in their podcast. Yep. He does. Yep. He's building that for a relative, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Brother-in-law yep. or something like that. Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. his yep. brother-in-law flew, yep. flies him. Yep. Yep. So do you have any plans to do a B-52 book? Boom. <laughs> I mean, we got to have your own uh, resident expert. (laughs) We've talked it over. We've talked it over. I would not discount it. 
I would not discount yeah. the possibility. Alloy did the B-52 back when he was working for Boeing, and, and so the B-52 book was done once um, long ago. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I, I think Rock's answer was probably a good one. I wouldn't discount it. I'm not saying yes uh, or whatever. I mean, it's certainly one under consideration. Let's put it that way. That's a good. That's a good answer, Bert. That's a good answer. I remember on that same deployment, we did a debt to Guam, and that's where all the B-52s go. Like on their way out to uh, Japan and or wherever they're going, they'll stop there in Guam. And I remember pre-flight in the airplane, I was doing the outside, and I was on the starboard wing pulling the covers, and I remember looking. And there must have been like, I think, 17 B-52s parked on the ramp. And it looked really cool because you could see like the, the like uh, just a ramp full of these B-52s just sitting there. And I went to go take a picture and my, dang, my damn hard drive crashed on my laptop and I lost all my photos from that deployment. Well, I flew, a, I, I had a three-month TDY into the Pacific when I was a kid. And I flew, we flew Ds out of Anderson on Guam and also Utapau at Thailand. And, you know, those were busy, busy bases during linebacker and linebacker tube. And when I was there, there were, you'd still look out and there'd be several dozen airplanes sitting there uh, and getting steady work. It's an amazing airplane. It really is. And now they're going to re-engine them. Yeah. Well, the saying, isn't the saying like the the last B-52 pilot isn't even born yet? That's right. Well, my, uh, my dad was... Um... I think he was based in Guam at Anderson. I know he was in the Air Force for a while, but um, I think that's where I was. Uh, my mom and dad met there, you know. And then, but I was born obviously here in the here in the states. But I, he he was a crew chief on C one thirties, and um, I don't. He used to tell me stories about the B fifty twos, about them flying over and just the black smoke and just how loud they were and just how huge they were. But, and he's even, he's got some neat pictures from back in the day of the buffs flying. And yep. uh, that, that, pretty nose, cool, man. that nose, that nose, nose low attitude that it flies yeah. at in those, that yeah. gear, you know, their, their rotate, their gear, their main gear all rotate crosswind yep. crab. Yep. And that was, you know, they had to airbrush that out. That was classified when the airplane was unveiled. Oh, wow. And it's amazing at, at how I still don't understand how you can do that with all four. But <laughs> but I can remember when the pilots would be doing their crosswind crab check on taxi to hear the airplane feel the airplane kind of jerk a little bit as those, yeah. that gear got realigned. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that that whole crosswind landing stuff, you know, in the beginning when you first learn, because I, I I when I learned how to fly, I was still you know I was pretty young, and um, I think that's I always. You know, guys that are first, you know, starting out and wanting to go in the military and fly. I'm like, dude, go get your pilot's license before you go in and, and get, get some hours, you know. And if you can get your instrument check, go do that. <laughs> but um, I just remember start when I first started flying, you know, doing crosswind stuff. And we, I grew up in South Texas. And, man, it would blow some days. And my, instruct yeah. this, my instructor, he had thousands and thousands of hours. He would make me go land on these little podunk dirt sidewalks almost you know just barely wide and he's like if you can land on that you can land on a runway and i'm like but i can't land on this i'm gonna crash <laughs> he's like no you're not you're gonna be fine i grow up anyway yeah, it was, it yeah i learned to fly in el paso and Ooh. marty robbins wrote a song about 
yeah. the the West Texas wind in El Paso, and uh, even though I learned to fly on a former SAC base, it could get it's still pretty darn interesting. Yeah, I spent uh, I spent about six months in uh, Fort Bliss doing some training when I did an IA with the Army back in uh, 2010 or whatever it was, but it was. Um, it was, I, I like that desert environment. I, it's, you know, I grew up again in the South where it's hot and, uh, I loved it. I just think it's cool. It's fun. So it's good There's times. A, uh, back to the B-52 real quick. There's a cool movie came out. I think it was in the seventies, maybe even a little bit earlier, but it was, yeah, I think, had, I think it was earlier, but it was called a gathering of Eagles. Oh yeah. Rock Hudson. And there's yeah. a scene where. They're like on the taxiway, like right in or in between the taxiway and the runway. And they were testing like timing. They had to be off deck by the interval was like 30 seconds between the B-52s taking off. And there was a scene where they're doing that. And they're out there. Rock Hudson and the other guy are out there. They're timing it in between the taxiway and the runway. And just the black smoke (laughs) coming out. You couldn't even see the next one until it was like already hit. It had already rotated and was already climbing out when you could see it. Because the you, smoke you is can, so thick. You, you can see those on YouTube, launch after launch after yeah. launch. With the in, the buff, in the buff world, it's called a MITO, M-I-T-O, minimum minimal takeoff. And for peacetime, it would be 30 seconds. For wartime, it would be 15. But yeah. uh, we, when I was stationed at Carswell, there was this motel right off the end of the runway. And I can remember we took off with a five-ship MITO at 2.45 in the morning once. We were doing that. We were going on a busy observer mission, which is a Navy ID. We were going to, our task was to go find a Navy destroyer east of Bermuda from Fort Worth. And we took off. <laughs> oh we took, God, we had a, we had a five, sh- five ship Mito, two, B-50, two B-52s, and three tankers. And we took off at 2.45 in the morning, and I couldn't, just couldn't imagine, with 30-second intervals, I couldn't imagine what the people in that motel who got there after dark didn't even know there was an Air Force base nearby <laughs> must have thought when we came home. <laughs> All right, man. So, I mean, here here we are at the end of another really, I'm, what I'm considering, a really great episode. And Rock, Bert, I want to thank you all so much for coming on. Uh, telling you, uh, us and our listeners, y'all's detail and scale story. Uh, it's my God, man, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and I know we could, we could probably go for another, <laughs> another two hours because I got a whole, uh, piss ton worth of questions left here on my sheet here that I wanted to ask, but <laughs> we haven't got to. So maybe we need to bust this up into another episode at some point down the road. But, uh, you know, thanks so much for for coming on and, and telling your story. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, wrapping up here is we always say uh, from the geeks. Um, look, let's all be good to each other, right? Let's all uh, be kind. And for Christ's sakes, man, go out there and get yourself a detail scale book for whatever kid it is you're building and let's build something so until the next episode out from the geeks good night everybody see ya later
Good to be with you. Thanks for the invite. And yeah, we'll be glad to do it again sometime. Everybody get out there and keep on modeling. And, you know, one of the things that gets me about modelers that, that I don't never understand is some people that get all frustrated about it and say, well, I just build for fun. Well, who doesn't? I don't care what level you build at. You build for fun. Nobody does this hobby because they hate it. Keep it fun, people. Enjoy. Good night. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Thanks for having us on, guys. We really enjoy our association with you. and I look forward to seeing you in Omaha. Sounds yes. Good. Looking Absolutely. forward to it.